Berg. Kaz Kaz Ultra Kaz Ultra Kaz Lightyear <laughs> What uh, Wait The ham loaf ham Never loaf. had You never had ham loaf I, no. yeah. I will make, make you Some ham loaf What about the onion loafs That they used to what? sell At Damon Onion loaf That's bread <laughs> can, I, can we get The onion loaf <laughs> Look at this picture Of all of them I'll have some of that Nasty <laughs> And yeah, the poppers Looks I'll, like bad skin Olive loaf looks like Olive loaf uh, Oh, that just looks you like gotta something. you got to go to the dermatologist. Yeah, that looks like something. They go, well, we took it off, but you're going to have to come back in five weeks. And use this cream until we see you again. It looks like the sidewalk on Carson Street after a Saturday night. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. It's three minutes after six at DVE. Here's a Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Dormont Appliance. It's 38 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. President Trump says the federal government will do everything it can to help people and communities recover from Hurricane Michael. Trump toured disaster areas of the Florida Panhandle and Georgia yesterday. He was shocked at seeing the damage firsthand, saying that seeing it in person was hard to believe. As cleanup continues, dozens of people are still missing. That storm is blamed for at least 19 deaths. Microsoft co-founder Paul Allen has died at the age of 65. He died yesterday afternoon from complications of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in Seattle. Allen founded Microsoft alongside Bill Gates in 1975. He owned the Seattle Seahawks and Portland Trailblazers and also invested in commercial space flight through Mojave Aerospace Ventures. He had battled cancer in the past and earlier this month announced the disease had returned. Two men are headed to trial after millions of dollars worth of historic books were stolen from the Carnegie Library. Uh, we talked about this story when mm-hmm. it happened. Gregory Priory and John Shulman are accused of taking book, books, maps, and other items for years while Priory worked as the library's archivist. Prosecutors say he sold them to Shulman's bookshop and the thefts totaled more than $8 million. Those two are set to be formally arraigned on November 29th. I've bought books at that that bookstore in Oakland. Oh yeah. Yeah, me and my my dad used to go. My dad used to work for Pitt, and we used to meet up for lunch all the time over there on Craig Street, and and go get lunch, and then we go into that bookstore and and uh, check out a few things. And I I I remember this story, and I looked up some speech that he gave, and he was dropping clues. Like he was, I forget. Remember when me? I, remember when I sent you? This guy? Yeah, no, the the bookstore guy. Oh, okay. Because the bookstore guy was sort of like egging on the guy to steal the stuff. Mm-hmm. Like he's the one who knew what was worth a ton of money, mm. and they destroyed all those those books. So he was giving speeches, leaving breadcrumbs for the. Uh, De- detectives. Do you remember I sent you that video where it was? Uh, I was like at mo at minute twenty seven. He mentions that like the name for his bookstore was taken from a Shakespeare uh, play where the it's like yeah. book thief or something. It yes. translates to book thief or something. Yeah, you're right. No, no, <laughs> you remember I, that? Yeah, I do remember you sending that to me. Yeah, it's a very bizarre story. Also, horrible name. For your bookstore, if you plan on thieving books. Yeah. (laughs) Climate change could cause a hike in beer prices. A new study published in the journal Nature Plant says droughts and higher temperatures caused by climate change will reduce the amount of barley being produced. 
Crops of the main ingredient in beer could drop anywhere from 3 to 17 percent. That would limit the beer supply significantly. Cutting the amount of beer Americans can drink, it would also raise the price of beer, possibly putting the drink out of reach for millions of people around the world. An accused Northwest Ohio foot fondler is in jail. Joseph Jones was convicted last week after allegations. He tried to fondle a woman's feet at a Bowling Green grocery store. Prosecutors presented evidence in the case that said Jones had a foot fetish and enjoyed sucking on toes. He had been charged with several counts, but Wood County jury found him guilty of just one. He was sentenced to 30 days behind bars for unlawful restraint. Yeah, that's a weird fetish, the foot thing. But it seems to me that um, it gets like kind of lumped into something else i don't know it's like not it doesn't feel like it's sexual assault when they're like sucking on your toe you're like what are you doing because it's <laughs> this sexual is weird yeah like it just seems like an all-out crazy person Again, attack can't you find so like you gotta attack a stranger out in public in a grocery store in a grocery store i know yeah somebody's it's- just out you know doing a little shopping with their flip-flops on because it's weird enough you're going to get tagged as being a foot fetishist if you then get tagged as a serial assaulter on top of that, you're never going to find someone to just, you know, give you consent to suck their toes. They're going to be like, well, I'm into it, but you're a creep. Well, no, you're a creep too, but not on criminal. your level. <laughs> Those are nice feet. Would you like a mouth bath? Oh, <laughs> uh, no. I came here for avocados and some cereal. Again, you can be as weird as you want. Just don't commit a crime. <laughs> yeah, the internet is there for you <laughs> at your disposal to meet up with all the other weirdos. Tom and Jerry are heading back to the big screen. Warner Brothers is working on a live action film about the cat and mouse that will be out next year. They're also working on films about Wiley e. Coyote, Scooby-Doo and the Jetsons and a sequel to Space Jam. Beyonce is the most politically divisive celebrity in the United States. A new report from a market research company called Morning Consult says Beyonce causes the biggest divide between Democrats and Republicans. She was ranked among the 100 highest paid celebrities of 2018. Democrats were more in favor of her with a 66-point gap between the two political parties. Political commentator Sean Hannity and Rush Limbaugh caused the second and third biggest divides, which makes more sense. Yeah, uh, Beyonce... I know, I couldn't... And Ellen DeGeneres is on the list. She's fourth. I mean, Beyonce's a self-important kind of, you know, I don't know. It's not my thing. She's typical celebrity, self-involved. Like, what does Ellen DeGeneres do that's so divisive? She She dances over that table. What's the commonality between those two? Hmm. Between Beyonce and Ellen? Yeah. I think there's something of, you know, her being gay and the other one being black might have a whole lot to do with it. It's just a guess. LeBron James, Jay-Z, Katy Perry, Lady Gaga, and Rihanna Rihanna also on the list. <laughs> I love when you say Rihanna. It's one of my favorite things. I, I never say that, do I? Uh-huh. No. You I Pittsburgh it I call her Rihanna. Rihanna. I just think Rihanna maybe. Exactly. I was just going to say, the Fleetwood Mac, Rihanna, it, it makes I you want to go there. I have several fam- family members that call her Rihanna on purpose every time. It's like, fun- that's just what her name is. See, in my family, nobody knows who Rihanna is. Like, there is no discussion of Rihanna or Rihanna. If I said that, they would be like, is that your cousin Dennis's niece? (laughs) Who is it? Today is the 50th anniversary of Led Zeppelin's first concert. The band performed under the name New Yardbirds at a club in London on this day in 1968. And later that year, they 
Ended up going on tour with the Vanilla Fudge, so it all kind of began today. Yeah, how about that? Clouds and sun, mid-50s for the high today. It's 38 at DVE. Yeah, it is the DVE morning show, and a lot for you uh, on the way. Uh, we have uh, Billy Gardell back today. Also, Gene Steratore, Zebra Talk. Lots to talk with him about after this past weekend, including why the league won't suspend perfect. I mean, it's yet to be seen whether or not they will, but... It appears they're only looking at a fine, according to most people. Yeah, I saw that yesterday. They're rev- they reviewing a couple different plays for fines. Cam Hayward also uh, going to be joining us. God, I'm so angry about that. Like, they got, you know, they're trying to protect people against head. Here's a guy who is going after AB's head intentionally and then pointing at Repeat Juju. offender. Going at Juju saying, you're next. Hey, that is so annoying. Yeah, you got you to gotta take games from him now. I, that's what I think, personally. But uh, the NFL has a very weird process there. I'm not exactly sure what it is. They come up with their own conclusions as to what punishment needs to be doled out. Uh, if it's Led's, if it's the anniversary of Led Zeppelin's first... Metallica, the latest act to offer very expensive VIP packages and meet and greets, but Lars Ulrich says it's not something they did lightly. The drummer told Rolling Stone, quote, we very cautiously decided to do experiences. We spent a lot of time seeing what everybody else was doing, what's Black Sabbath doing, what's Guns N' Roses doing, what happens in the pop world. What's, yeah, that's, what would Ozzy do? That's always my <laughs> go-to question whenever I'm thinking about doing something new. He said, it felt foreign to us and, dare I say, a little hokey. So we just had to sort of get to a place where we would get comfortable with that. I I feel like he's doing a little hypnosis thing, a little hokey. It feels a little greedy. Yeah. I mean, this is a money. I would like to offer a deluxe fan experience. (laughs) For Jake Johansson at the Improv, deluxe fan experience would include... Well, hugs. <laughs> you know, I can't. I used to be able to offer sleepovers, but my wife, now, it's no sleepovers. We can't do that. We could maybe have a drink at the bar afterwards or play beer pong or so. I don't know. Something, something like, like that. that. Something like my problem is being a comedian. There's already a fan experience. You're already, you're standing at a table with your DVDs or bumper stickers, or whatever you're doing. Right. And, and, and my reason for doing that is. You know, you of course you make a little bit of money selling merch, but also I'm standing there to say hi to the people who bought a ticket. Yeah, I'm already offering. I've I've blown it. Metallica said, "Look, we're not doing that unless we're getting paid." I'm like, I'm already doing that for free, Metallica. <laughs> I don't know how to monetize it. No, it's a tough. I've one. already blown it. Yeah. Uh, Metallica's top VIP meet and greet treatment costs twenty five hundred bucks. Oh my god! Gets wow. you a photo with the band, autographs, a chance to chat with the guys and ask them a few questions. You'll also get access to the Memory Remains exhibit of memorabilia. Uh, that's got the band's clothing, handwritten lyrics, instruments, and the original album art for Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets. Do you get to piggyback on Lars for one song? He just rides you around on his back while he does a song. Because that would be worth it for me. I like how they say, like, you're allowed to ask him a few questions because I want to know when the cutoff point is. Like, do they all look at each other like, all right, that's this guy. Get him out of here. That's, That's enough, enough questions. But they did the one documentary where they went to therapy together and they filmed it and put That's it. That's a great. So if I had yeah. a fan experience, I would want to be their counselor. I would want to <laughs> sit down and do group therapy with not be. A, I would want to be the go to the counselor guy. I wouldn't want to be in the therapy with them. I'd want to be doing the therapy the, for them. The therapist was creepy in that. <laughs> is I mean, a- that was the guy who you felt like, oh, this is the guy this, you want to get rid of something. Get rid of that guy. Yeah, He's but that's always the case. It's like Dr. Eugene Landy, uh, who was a Pittsburgher, actually. The guy who, like, brainwashed Brian Wilson. 
any one of those guys that gloms, any guy that would say, yes, I'll be in your movie, I think, is, you know, maybe we should get a new counselor. <laughs> like yeah, this well, guy the, Michael, wants the to doctor, once you get to be Michael Jackson, that doctor that prescribes you the medicine that you need to sleep and wake up. And, Propofol? Yeah, that's you got to watch out for that guy. Again. When you get rich, you got to be careful who your doctor is. <laughs> you hire, you got to hire a doctor to watch your doctor. That's right. That's the world we live in now. Yeah, the new healthcare. For- I'm lucky I don't have these problems. <laughs> You're so, happy with your doctor? And well, confident. I'm not. No, I'm not rich. I can. No, I'm not happy with my. I can't even afford <laughs> my. I've got the kind of insurance where my deductible is so high that unless I get cancer, I feel like I'm getting ripped off. <laughs> <laughs> so. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Mike. Sports is all brought to you by You Pull and Pay. Uh, a lot of Le'Veon Bell talk in the Steelers locker room yesterday. Everybody said they didn't want to talk about him, and then everybody seemingly had an opinion about him. Captain Cam Hayward letting everybody know that uh, he's uncertain when or if Bell will be showing up. I don't know. You tell me. Um... I, I don't think anybody's gotten word, and um, we'll keep it moving. Uh, I don't think anybody's going to be over the bye, so uh, you might have to tell the Steelers to turn on their uh, security cams. If he comes back, welcome back. <laughs> yeah, you know, whoever's part of this locker room uh, will ride or die with. Uh, as simple as that. We don't, uh, you know, we're not looking to do anything else or make anything about it. Just focus on winning and, you know, being a team as we win. So, you know. So be it. Yeah, I don't think he's coming over the bye. So yeah. that would leave next week. And they get a game next week against Cleveland. Uh, they'll play that with or without Le'Veon Bell. David DeCastro said that the Steelers have adjusted to life without their all-pro running back. And uh, if that changes when he gets here, that changes when he gets here. Yeah, I mean, I think it was just all kind of shocking that he wasn't here and then, you know, kind of a little confused. And now it's kind of like, okay, well, we're in the season, we're going, and just don't worry about extra stuff. You know, I got trying to block Geno Atkins, you know what I mean? You think I'm worried about who's running the ball, to be honest, you know what I mean? It's, it's one of those things you just got a job to do, block guys, and coaches, coaches, coaches make those decisions, you know what I mean? So at the end of the day, we'll just play football. <laughs> a little surprised initially. Kind of shocked he wasn't here. A little shocked. That's been the surprising thing to me. Not that he was holding out, that he had no communication with his teammates. It's another, or at least they're claiming that. Yeah, well, I mean, so many of them are. Uh, it, it sounds sincere, at least. You never know. You never know what they know, what they're revealing. Uh, Marcus Gilbert sounded like a guy who expected Le'Veon Bell at some point, and uh, he talked about uh, using uh, Le'Veon Bell and James Conner in tandem eventually. <laughs> Actor. I mean, we'll we'll figure out, you know, however it all shapes up. But uh, we know that he's he's a player that can't be replaced. He's a special player. But uh, um, any but any guy that we put in there, um, they're a different type of player. Him and James are a different type of style running backs, and uh, I think they'll both complement each other, you know, really well. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Uh, like I said, I don't really want to talk Le'Veon right now until he, you know, shows up and um, and just to see what kind of you know, shape he's in, you know, you know how he can, you know, you know help better this team because it's a different outfit than last year. First of all, you almost never hear Gilbert talk. Sounds like Barry White. That's on me. That voice is so good. He should be on more all the time to talk about anything. Yeah, just give the weather report. Oh yeah, yeah read the baby. phone book. Second of all, doesn't doesn't it seem, Mike, that a large 
portion of comments concerning Le'Veon with the team has to do with his conditioning and whether he's in shape. And a lot of these guys are doubtful. Let's see what kind of shape he's in. That that keeps I hear that over and over. Yeah, I don't know about doubtful, but curious. Curious because they uncertain. Maybe because perfect is out there huffing and puffing, and they're like, "Look at that jackass! He was off a month and didn't even do anything." That's apparent, right? Yeah, I mean that's apparent. So yeah, and there's the experience of last year that he came in and wasn't ready to go right away. And that was when he was supposedly working out. I mean, he was showing videos on his social media of him in the gym, him doing. Drills on a you know on a practice field and stuff like that. When's we, the last video you've seen of him working out? Well, just the one of him in the strip club. <laughs> That's not a workout. Uh, it was for well, the girl on top of him. I mean, hand eye maybe. Yeah, maybe he's actually working out now and not just putting out videos saying, "Look at me, I'm working out." Well, maybe. Yeah, maybe that's what it was really last the more year. Significant thing is to actually do the work. Last year might have been the ruse. Yeah. Um, well, let's hope. We're coming up on game seven, so if he's going to need two or three weeks to. You know, get up to speed. Now you're at game ten. Well, I wonder why he wouldn't come before the it, bye week just to get back into the swing of the playbook and stuff like that. If his intention really is to just save his legs, he doesn't have to play this week. And he, I mean, there's going to be two practices today and tomorrow. And they're mostly for the guys who don't play, the practice squad guys and the backups. And okay, uh, it's it's not it's not a stressful week. Is, is my point. And right. Then, and then they're off Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I would, why wouldn't you come in this week? And see if you can maybe get that uh, 850k check and go from there. But uh, it made all the sense for him to come in this week, today. Yeah, the, well, uh, nothing he's done has made a whole lot of sense to me. So one guy who uh, maintains he hasn't spent a whole lot of time worrying about it is offensive tackle Alejandro Villanueva. As they say in the military, that's above his pay grade. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm probably maybe the only one that's a little bit. You know, realistic from the standpoint of you know my thoughts. Uh, you know, Coach Tom is not going to pull me into his office and ask me, you know, hey Al, you know, what do you think we should do with Le'Veon? <laughs> you know, do you think he will with anybody? No, he's not. I mean, maybe uh, certainly not with me. And that's the only person that I can control. I don't know what happens in this building. I just know what happens. You know, in my daily routine. And my daily routine is me receiving information and not really so much giving the information. So I'm not in a leadership role in this team. I'm a soldier that's carrying all the equipment. And so for me, it's. Uh, uh, it's all about executing, you know, my blocks, and um, and not necessarily worry about all the other uh, things that are happening around. Whether it's, you know, other positions, other players, defense, special teams. My only worry is is my position. Hey Al, what do you think we should do about Le'Veon? Do you think Mike Tomlin will go to the leadership at any point? No. Or do you think he has? And so, what do you think? I think he has had conversations with them. No, nothing uh, regarding the message they put out to the media. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know that they've had any formal sit downs, but I guarantee you, you know, in passing, him and Ben have been like, you know, eh, what the hell's going on? What have you heard? Well, nothing. What have you heard? Well, I just meant more about, uh, you know, how do you think he should be used and do you want him back? Oh, they won't do that would at he, all. Would he be a problem ben. in the room? Ben is the only one because Ben has lobbied for Connor and Ben clearly wants Connor in this offense regardless of what happens. Well, he wants the best guy. He, he has said he thinks he's a more physical back who gets where he needs to be quicker. That I don't know. I like both of them. What about Thunder and Lightning? Man? Yeah, that I'm run game would be. Bake. What about a fresh guy late in the season? What about injury insurance? All these people that are saying, "Hey, don't don't bring him back, screw." Him. No, that's stupid. Yes, 
That's really that stupid. That is the word. But if he, you get this guy back, you get him back, and then you see what kind of shape you get him in, and then you can see you see how he can contribute. But he is an all-pro player. Ben is setting the table, though, for Le'Veon to understand when he comes back, I think. Hey, Connor isn't coming out yeah, of the lineup. This does not mean I'm not. we're not using this guy. Yeah. Well, this should be perfect then because Le'Veon Bell was worried about touches anyway. Right. Guess what? Guess what? You're number two, and then we'll see how it goes. I'm going to save your legs, 26, yeah. for your next what, team. What a counter, right? I mean, if they can get both of those guys firing. I, I really do think it's the way to go. I mean, look, what was the score of the Monday night game last night? 33-30. to 30. That's This is what it is now. Aaron Rodgers had no wide receivers, and the 49ers had C.J. Beathard, and it was 33-30. Yeah. So, a guy nobody heard of at quarterback, nobody to catch the ball for Aaron Rodgers, they still put up 63 points. Maybe uh, a little ball control is the way to do it. If you get the ball with six minutes left and you don't want to give it back to Tom Brady, you bleed it down and score right at the very end. Maybe that's what they have to start thinking about doing. I don't mean just the Steelers. I mean yeah. teams, teams in general. There are enough of these high-powered offenses and the way the game's being played, everybody's scoring. See, I was thinking more of it like, Oh, we have two backs to score now. <laughs> but you're right. If they can figure out a way. You know, one guy runs three or four times and you take him out. The next guy runs three or four times and just you always have a fresh back. Uh, yeah. Toting the rock, as they say. Yeah. A little tough for the offensive line to uh, to get in that rhythm, but two backs having big ears would be a great thing. So, I mean, they always say, you know, different guys – Created different rhythm for the offensive line for run blocking. Yeah, I think David DeCastro still has to block Geno Atkins and the you know the back. Deal, I agree. The back deals with that. How he deals with that, whether he's blasting past it or waiting to see if there's a better block to the left or right, he'll figure that out. We shall see. Penn's hosting the Canucks tonight, seven o'clock on your Penn's flagship one o five nine. The X. Good news and bad news. For the Penguins, the good news, Matt Murray is back, and uh, head coach Mike Sullivan, quote, excited that he's healthy. The bad news, defenseman Justin Schultz underwent surgery at UPMC Presby to repair a fracture to his lower to left leg. To put on a leg. new leg. Schultz Did you a- see that video yet? I haven't watched it's, it. Oh my it's God, gnarly, it's dude. Don't watch it. Schultz- well, your reaction yesterday in the studio was like, I'm like, I don't need to see that. Schultz is expected to miss the next four months. Sullivan says uh, that's going to be a tough loss, but, quote, we have capable NHL defensemen. Moving forward. To move forward. Uh, Derek Grant is moving from Wilkes-Barre-Scranton back up to Pittsburgh. The forward has been recalled. Goaltender Tristan Jari reassigned to the AHL Penguins. And the Brewers beat the Dodgers last night 4 to nothing. Look at what are the effing Brewers doing with a two games to one lead in the National League Championship Look Series? Look out. Brew crew. Is this Bob Nutting's worst nightmare? Red Sox and Astros resume today at 5.09. That series is tied at a game apiece. Game four between Milwaukee and Los Angeles at 9.09. Val, what do you got coming up? Well, if your sports team is making you a nervous wreck, there's one company that has uh, a solution for you. Cam Hayward joins us. A little bit later this morning, Zebra Talk with Gene Steratore, which has quickly become our listeners, one of our their favorite segments of the week. The return of Billy Gardell later this morning as well. Glad to have Billy back in the fold. That'll be 9 a.m. here on DVE. It is the DVE Morning Show. Tonight, the Penguins host Brock Besser, the Vancouver Canucks at PPG Paints Arena. All fans in attendance will receive a team calendar. Whoa. Oh, nice. 
It's like, you know, if you were going to go buy your 2019 calendar. Don't. Don't. Don't do that. All you got to do is go get your your tickets at pittsburghpenguins.com. Go see the Pens tonight. Pick up your calendar. Watch them beat the Canucks. And uh, that's it. Or you could just be caller number 41 right now at 333-WDVE. We're giving away a pair of tickets to the game tonight. PPG Paints Arena. Beautiful. So be caller number 41 right now. 333-WDVE. Other tickets for Metallica. They still have some tickets available for Thursday night? I don't think it's completely sold out, but it might be. Getting there. Getting there, That's going to be a fun show. Oh, yeah. Looking forward to it. Our buddy Jim Brewer opening things up with like a metal variety show. Yeah. You know, I don't know how else to, to put it. I've, I've been saying he's hosting some sort of his his own game show. <laughs> yeah. What the games are, we don't know. We don't know. Going to have a lot of fun with the crowd. Metallica. In town Thursday night. Enter Sandman. There's a video going around right now of a 10-year-old kid sitting in with Foo Fighters. And they do Enter Sandman. How do the Foo Fighters always it? know how to play everything? They just pull people out of the stands and do that stuff. It's pretty cool. Yeah, of course he does. It wouldn't go viral if they pulled a 10-year-old kid out of the crowd and he sucked. And he just sucked. Yeah, they're like, this is really sad. Oh, my God. They just threw him back Dave in Grohl's the crowd. Dave like, you should probably not play anymore, kid. <laughs> Metallica. DVE. It's the DV Morning Show, Metallica, Enter Sandman. Thursday night, they'll be in town. Jim Brewer is going to be opening that show up, as we were mentioning before. And uh, I love Brewer. He's so damn funny. He's going to be doing a comedy show the next night. Yep. Friday night at the Carnegie Music Hall in Homestead. Yep. Library. Is it Music Library or what's it called? uh, Carnegie of Homestead Music Hall, I think. That's the way. But it's a library. (laughs) So, you know, it's... I don't know. I can't keep up with it. It's a library. You can drink beers. It's a great uh, great little venue. Yes. And Brewer just rocks it every single time. He's super funny. You can get tickets at the box office for that show for the Friday night. Strictly comedy show. On Thursday night, He basically, he's, you're not going to see the same show. So if you're planning on going to Metallica and you're like, oh, well, I'll already have seen Jim Brewer. Well, he does a totally different show Friday night. So tickets available for both of those. Val's got your news coming up. What do you got, Valerie? Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, those the stories are popping up now mm-hmm. with Halloween displays, like people think they're real. So we have another one of those stories. And if your sports team is causing you agita. Oh, wow. I, that's the first time I've heard that word in a, in a while. Uh, I've uh, There's one company that has a uh, a solution for you. Agita. I think that's one of making you verklempt. (laughs) I think that's one of AB's sons. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Gene Steratore, Zebra Talk later this morning. Billy Gardell returns to the show, and we created an ode to the Escaloser, that escalator at the Bengals games that takes all the sad Bengals fans out of the stadium and down back to their miserable Bengal fan lives. We'll have that for you coming up after 7 o'clock. So tonight, 8 p.m. on WQED, the fourth in the series of Nebbies. Three more to go. Four Nebbies down, three to go. Uh, so that's tonight. Make sure to check that out. And special preview for the next Nebby. We're really excited about this one. That Kennywood summer 
Yeah. You know what? Can you tell what that is? We're gonna, I think I can. Yeah. What do you think it is? I think that it is getting people's memories of their trips to Kennywood in the, in the summer. No. Or the summer that you did <laughs> Kennywood memories. Nope. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. <laughs> Still funny. Still funny. It's the ultimate sh- oh shoot God. down. What do you think it is? What do you think it is, little boy? No. No. <laughs> he sounded like the worst mall Santa ever. What do you What do you want for Christmas? I'd like this, doesn't it? No. No. <laughs> By the way, um, if you're keeping a calorie count on Rick Seaback's daily consumption while he's in the hospital recovering from that uh, torn uh, hamstring or, or quadricep <laughs> tendon, he is at about 4,500 calories per day. Yesterday, eating pizza, a pizza badamo and... Um, is it Clavon's ice cream or Clavon's? I never know how to say that. I, I thought it know. was Clavon's. Okay, so that so they brought him banana splits or something like that because he was complaining that he didn't have his bananas when he, he has a banana a day, he says, which is not the, how you keep the doctor away, by the way, Rick. It's an apple a day. <laughs> banana a day is a diet that Sean McDowell went on <laughs> in the 80s. But every day somebody is bringing him like the most decadent food arrangement for every meal. Rick, would you like a salad? <laughs> no. <laughs> you want to uh Ray, you want to you want to break that one up with a salad? No. no a little veggie? No. Uh How about we just skip lunch and no. we have, uh, yogurt? No. no. All right. <laughs> Do you ever plan to leave the hospital? No. no. Well, why would you? No. I mean, it's where all the the good food is brought. Really? All right, Val, what do you want? Hey, what do I want? <laughs> what do you want? All right, Val, what's your problem? <laughs> Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. <laughs> it's 37 degrees at DVE. The news is brought to us by Xfinity by Comcast. I'm Val Porter. President Trump has a win under his belt after a Los Angeles judge dismissed a defamation claim filed by adult film actress Stormy Daniels. She claims Trump defamed her when he accused her of lying about being threatened over an alleged affair a decade ago. Daniels' lawyer says he will appeal the dismissal. He noted the rest of her law suit to invalidate the non-disclosure agreement over the alleged affair remains intact as part of this dismissal she'll have to pay the president's legal fees yeah i think that gets into an interesting debate can a porn star be defamed right i mean you have defamed yourself in a a large your entire self (laughs) yeah every part of you has been defamed I think Double defamed. <laughs> some, some, sometimes, sometimes twice in the same video. Yes. A Brookline family is looking for answers after their pet cat was shot with a bow and arrow over the weekend. Channel 11 reporting three-year-old Ollie was found with an arrow completely through its chest Saturday night and had to be euthanized. Police are calling it an act of animal cruelty. The family believes someone targeted the cat. I was hoping that was a, a Facebook hoax or something. I saw that story no. getting thrown around. Speaking of Facebook, though, uh, the site says it will ban false information about voting requirements and will fact check reports of long lines or violence at polling places in next month's midterm elections. 
I have no idea how they will police they, that. They want, they're garbage. Company executives told Reuters it's Facebook's latest effort to cut down voter manipulation on the world's biggest online social network. Under a new policy announced Monday, discouraging reports about polling places will be referred to fact checkers if reports might be inflated or misleading. Facebook has caught a lot of heat for what critics call a lax approach to fake news reports and disinformation campaigns during the 2016 presidential election. Where is it popping off to that level? Because every time I've ever voted, I'm walking into like a church basement and old ladies are selling oatmeal cookies. Right. Congratulations, you live in a nice place. Hey, thanks. If you didn't live in a nice place, it's not so easy. No. No. <laughs> the lines get like really long and it it's it's not the same everywhere suffice it to say i think the biggest thing for people to understand on election day is that if your name has been purged from the voter rolls but you are an eligible voter because this is happening all over the country to great effect in georgia and indiana and north dakota now apparently but you can you can ask for a provisional ballot if you are an eligible voter and your name isn't on the voting rolls mm mm-hmm. Tell whoever's working the polls that day, I would like a provisional ballot. You can still vote. Give me one of those hanging chads. Yeah, you can't get (laughs) uh, red taped out of your right to vote. And a person's Facebook posts might be an indicator of whether or not they are depressed. Researchers found that some people who use more first-person singular pronouns like I, me, and we on the site were later diagnosed with depression. These people also use more words like tears, cry, pain, and others that represent sadness or loneliness. I am in pain. I am depressed. I am crying. I am tearing cries. Cry tears. Well, this is the second one of these stories we talked about already this Halloween season. I'm sure there have been many more. A Halloween display looked all too real as to blame for a 911 call in Ohio. Dispatchers received an emergency call late last week when somebody thought a plane crash setup was real in the Pickerington, Ohio area, which a plane crash would attract a lot of attention. I don't know how you would stumble across something and think... I'm the first one I'm to discover this plane crash. I'm the only responder. Did the people come out just like Leonard Skinner or anything like that? Did oh. they try to like make it a specific plane crash? No. Violent township fire in Ohio State Highway Patrol say they responded to Delbert Holzinger's home, but quickly realized it was just a holiday display after realizing the skeleton dressed as a witch was sitting in the cockpit. Holzinger is a retired Air National Guard member and kept the ultralight plane parts in storage for years before deciding to use them for this year's Halloween display. Mm -hmm. Is anybody alive? No. (laughs) Everyone was dead. That plane was bringing me potassium. (laughs) That was a plane full of bananas. More bananas. Back in uh, June, Tums... Uh, Ann Acid promised to give fans of the Cavaliers, Cleveland Cavaliers, free heartburn medicine if LeBron James split Cleveland and left the team. Well, he ended up going to the Lakers, and now Tums is following through on their promise. They're going to be handing out free Tums to people on their way into the Cavs' home opener on Sunday. This is a reoccurring theme. Free drinks if they win a game. If the Browns win a game, free Tums. Yeah. For Cavs fans, man, it is tough to be a sports fan in Cleveland. Yeah, there's a lot of gastrointestinal health uh, <laughs> issues on the line in Cleveland. Free Zoloft if the Indians <laughs> don't make the playoffs again next year. 
Police in Florida arrested a drug suspect who tried to hide the evidence by chewing up and swallowing a glass crack pipe. Oh, A police officer investigating 52-year-old Daryl Hutton suspected she was in possession of crack and asked to look through her purse. Hutton refused, but then said she'd allow another officer to search her belongings. Moments later, an officer found a glass pipe with burnt residue inside and tried to grab Hutton's wrist to handcuff her, but somehow she was able to get the glass pipe in her mouth, chew it up, and swallow it. When Hutton finally opened her mouth, the officer noticed the pipe was completely swallowed and her mouth was bleeding. She was charged with tampering with physical evidence, resisting arrest, and narcotics possession. If you eat crack, do you get high? Asking for a friend. No, <laughs> I don't know. I just wonder if that made her like su- I don't know, super but, tweaked oh. at the same time. If you eat broken glass, does it cut on the way out the crack? Oh, yeah, that's... Uh... Yeah, yeah, I would think so. I don't think that's a digestible substance. This is why I make my crack pipes out of rock candy. (laughs) (laughs) Edible. Yes, all edible edible stuff. Def Leppard is celebrating the holidays early with a brand new Christmas song. It's called We All Need Christmas, and it came out last Friday. The British band is also dropping an album of some of their greatest hits called The Story So Far, The Best Of. That'll be out next month. Fleetwood Mac is disputing Lindsey Buckingham's lawsuit that claims the band fired him without a valid reason. Buckingham was kicked out of the band in January. His lawsuit alleges breach of fiduciary duty and breach of oral contract, among other charges. It also says Buckingham asked the band to postpone their current tour so he could do some solo shows and that he missed out on about $12 million he would have earned had they gone on tour. I don't understand the whole uh, complaint he has that the band wouldn't wait for him. That can't be a reason why he's saying he was unfairly dismissed. If he's saying to them, hold up your multi-million dollar tour because I want to go play the Carnegie Library, you know, they've got a little bit of of an argument there. Like, "Ah, Mm -hmm. this is a little more pressing. Why don't you do those dates after our tour? Fleetwood Mac has said in a response, they look forward to their day in court. Oh, yeah. Go get them, Fleetwood Mac. This will be fun. (laughs) (laughs) and i'm not sure why this is news i feel like this is probably something that happens on a daily basis tara reed kicked off a flight after throwing a tantrum over a window seat tmz reports she was on a flight from lax to new york city monday afternoon witnesses telling the gossip blog that she was pissed off and loudly complained about being put in the wrong seat which you don't get escorted to a seat in a plane You, you you find your own seat Uh, She later complained about not getting a pillow. Flight attendants tried to calm her but failed to do so. TMZ said the pilot, after pushing back from the gate, announced he was turning around because of a customer service issue. Police were not called, though. She left with her dog and later boarded another flight. Yeah, you know. see Tara Reid's making a comeback. Again, I feel like that's probably something that happens frequently with her. Ever since she broke up with Tom Brady, things have not been going well. (laughs) Terrible. Do you remember he dated her? No. Yeah. When? Brian Urlacher was dating Paris Hilton. Tom Brady was dating Tara Reid. What are we talking? Mid-2000s? Early. Like 2005, Something six. like that, yeah. Didn't she, did she date Rob Gronkowski, too? No, that was a different... That was a porn star. Oh. That was... That was B.B. Jones. B.B. Jones. Oh. That was... <laughs> was it B.B. Jones? Is that her name? I don't know. I think. Is she already out of the business? Yeah, she already retired. At a young age. At a, well, you know... Not a long career. But she was able to accomplish it's like the NFL. just those few couple of years. It was incredible. <laughs>
put up Hall of Fame numbers. Be good for her. Forecast today, clouds and sun, mid-50s for the high. It is 37 at DBE. We have for you, a little bit later on uh, this morning, Gene Steratore, Zebra Talk. Cam's going to join us on Thursday this week. He's got some stuff going on. We also have the return of Billy Gardell today, which I'm very uh, excited about. Billy's been... I miss uh, Bill. Well, yeah, and uh, Billy has uh, been out for, I don't know, what, a month? Something like that? Yeah. He'll be back today, and we'll uh, we'll talk all about it. Good things have been happening for Billy. And uh, also, you know, b- big life events, all the same. Um, yesterday, we announced that DVE, in a partnership with Gray Area Productions, is going to put on The Last Waltz. It's called The Rex Waltz, coming up on December 7th, live at the Rex Theater. The entire Last Waltz from the band the famous movie was released 40 years ago today well not today this month the concert was 42 years ago celebrating the music of Bob Dylan Van Morrison Neil Young Muddy Waters Dr. John Neil Diamond Joni Mitchell and of course the band the the night will feature in those roles Joe Grishecki Rob James of the Clarks Bill Deasy Paul Luke Liz Berlin uh, from Russell Root uh, and uh, Bill Toms, Clinton Clegg from the Common Heart, Jay Wiley from the Hawkeyes, John Binley, Max and Zoop from Recluse, Andre Costello, Molly Alphabet, Chet Vincent, Chad Sipes, and more. And that is going to be December 7th. Tickets available at dv.com. You can get them. Benefiting Special Olympics of PA, a portion of the proceeds going to the Special Olympics of PA that night. Again, it's Friday, December 7th at the Rex. Tickets at ticketfly.com. And that's uh, been a long time in the works. A long time coming. There are 54 that's songs on so the extended awesome. Last Waltz, but I think this will be what you know as the movie soundtrack double album, not the quadruple album. I, I mean, that must have How been... How long a, was that show? It had to be a seven-hour concert. They gave everybody Thanksgiving dinner first. You know, Martin, <laughs> okay. Martin Scorsese brings his whole camera, uh, camera crew over from filming Taxi Driver... To film that movie and has all those legendary interviews in between uh, all of the songs. And they gave the entire crowd at the uh, at the Winterland Ballroom Thanksgiving dinner. Could you imagine and then a sitting seven through hour. a seven-hour concert? Not to mention, what do you think the bathrooms were like there? I mean, it's like 1,100 people at that show. Yikes. Just a belly full of stuffing and... Huh? <laughs> <laughs> you turn around, it's just Van Morrison farting in his purple onesie. <laughs> <laughs> um, it really stays in this. It just. <laughs> when will Le'Veon Bell come back? Minimum three items. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Where in the world is Le'Veon Bell? And what in the world will happen to Vontez Perfect, if anything? I'm not hopeful that much will happen, but Sports, we shall see. Sports this hour brought to you by Hovis Auto Supply. The Steelers talking a lot about Le'Veon Bell yesterday under the pretext of, I really don't want to talk about Le'Veon Bell. And then guys talked about him because they're thinking about him. They say they're not, but they are. Maybe Al, Al Villanueva is not. Because as we heard from him last hour, Mike Tomlin is not going to come to him and say, Hey, Al, what do you think we ought to do about Lavia? <laughs> yeah, right. A moment of clarity from the big tackle. Uh, Vontez Perfect, another matter entirely. 
he was up to his usual antics on Sunday in what became a Steelers 28-21 to win. Uh, recall David DeCastro's comments yesterday about almost getting into a couple of fights with Perfect early and then eventually what uh, Perfect did to Antonio Brown. No, I mean, it's the usual push and shoving, but I didn't, I didn't lose my mind, so that was nice. Yeah, I got into a little bit. I think we're all just kind of laugh at this point and move on. Um, you hate to see that shot on AB. I mean, one thing I to stop with that. I mean, it's they want to protect quarterbacks. What about protecting your star receiver like that in the league and a cheap shot with the shoulder? You know what you're doing. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous at this point. I can't, I can't stand it, and the league team doesn't seem to do anything about it. That was DeCastro Sunday in the locker room after the game. Here was Ramon Foster in the same locker room with Paul Brown Stadium. My guy's just a good player. That's his game, man. He he plays the game a different way. Uh, a lot of respect for him. He's he's a really good player. He made some good plays for him today. Yeah, I I uh, respectfully disagree, Ramon. He's trying to defuse it apparently because he's the NFLPA guy. Yeah. Well, Marquise Pouncey sort of in between DeCastro and Foster on Sunday. Oh uh, no, nah, he I, I told you guys, man. He, he talks trash, man. But he's a great player, man. Uh, he makes a lot of plays for them, and um. You never know. Uh, the legal handle whatever is going to happen to him next. He just threw that in at the end. The legal handle whatever is going to happen to him next. And Foster, by the way, also a guy who has said in years past, he'll get his regarding perfect. I mean, he's definitely going to be fined. But people want more than that because obviously the money isn't getting through to him. That's really annoying to hear those guys say, oh, no, it's fine. He's just hitting our star receiver in the head with his elbow yeah. with an intent to injure and knock him out of the game. It's really a shame. I, I think the Tom Wilson comparisons are valid because they're both really good players. And they're outside of the and bounds of the game, they don't though. need to do this stuff. And you can, you can be a physical presence without being a maniac. I don't know how those guys can excuse that so easily. I mean, Ramon Foster, I kind of get. But, you know, if it's, if it's the NFLPA angle that he's like trying to, uh, you know, yeah. toe the well, line there. But the other guys Brown's in the... A, right. a, yeah, he's a member. In good standing, presumably. See, I would I side know, maybe with he him. Pay his dues he probably doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> I think they take it out of your check. <laughs> He's late for everything. Uh, it's just annoying. Don't you think that Vontez Perfect needs to be called out for this more than just being fined? Like Definitely. six or eight games. How about yeah. a game? Just to send a message. Like anything. If the NFL wants to pretend it cares about people's you know, health in the long term and they're so adamant about changing the game so that there are less concussions and they don't have to face more lawsuits. Well, why not send a message to this guy? AFC North football, there's a certain amount of physicality that's just built in. It's ingrained in these games. Right. When you have players that are going above that and trying to hurt guys, that's where people take issue. Mm -hmm. Fans just have no stamina for anything like that. Yeah, well, Marcus Gilbert, uh, one of those who was coming around yesterday to the DeCastro camp and calling for severe action uh, from the NFL on Vontez Perfect. The NFL had to do something about that. Um, you know, a guy, a guy, a guy like that, uh, you know, going out there intentionally trying to hurt people. Um, that's that's no need for this uh, for um, that kind of playing this league. Um, it's it, it's sad. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, one of these uh, one of these days he'll grow up. You know, should be suspended. Um, you know, for that hit, uh, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. The helmet, the helmet stuff is going to happen. They are they're not strictly enforcing that. And if they want to find guys for it as they adjust, 
I get that because that's what I've been playing for a long time. But coming in, swinging your elbow, your forearm, your shoulder, trying to target a guy's head. Has to be within the scope of the game, Mike. Yes, that's a very good way to put it. And this guy is not in the scope of the game. He's He's going out of his way. He's in the scope of search and destroy. And And then he pointed at Juju after that play and said, you're next. Well, that, I mean, there's all kind of things are said. I mean. I get that's that's what happens out there, but, but it's not like he was like up. no. It just it just shows you there was intent. If you were yeah. well, thinking, there I'm wasn't sure there were a bunch of other guys who looked at a bunch of other guys and said, "I'm going to kill you." Or was it right have, after they I'm took their elbow and or, illegally hit a guy in well, the head? I'm just saying, I don't, I don't care what they say. But the, my point is, do. you can't say that that's accidental and within the like the scope of the game. And his elbow yeah. accidentally oh, hit well, him. If the guy is saying you're next, I'm it's just, not. Yeah, you know, like he's clearly going outside of the bounds. Got another one uh, coming up this season. We'll see if Vontex, Vontez Perfect is eligible. Packers uh, beat the 49ers 33-30. Boy, I tried watching some of that last night. I can't take that broadcast team. They're really bad. Ooh, Jason Witten. And I like Booker. Normally that stuff does not affect me. It is a deterrent. It is. Or as I, Bill Cowher might say, a deterrent. I like Booger. I found myself clicking off and... Uh, you know, going to the baseball game and then just going back to check what was happening, catching up on the time and the score and all that. That was a pretty good game. What's PFT commenter called that? The snot rocket? The yeah. Th- the thing he sits the on. Booger on crane. The booger crane. As it gets colder, that's just going to get funnier. But how is it that Monday Night Football can have announcers that are that bad? What was driving me crazy is, I mean, it was a close game. The 49ers were winning for long stretches of it. And uh, was it Joe Testator? Desitore, yeah. He's trying to sell it. Like, Nobody thought they could do it, and here they are. They're winning through three quarters. And yeah, yeah, everybody's selling it too hard, pal. I, I've watched games before. I've seen upsets before. Let it play out. Let's see what happens. Yeah, he's the one that drives me crazy. Witten stinks, cause, no, and see, I expected Witten, him to, to stink, though. Yeah. Witten talks like he's being fed the words, and then he's saying <laughs> It's like Siri talking to you. I, it was alarmingly bad. Yeah, that's the common uh, refrain. It's a problem. I, you know what's fun, though? Watching Aaron Rodgers throw on the run. That dude drops dimes. I don't know if anybody's scrambling out there. done more with less. Yeah, he's really... They've never had a defense. He's making some chicken salad, <laughs> isn't he? They haven't had like a solid running back since Eddie Lacy. How solid was he? He was so solid. I mean, plus size solid. <laughs> Eddie Spaghetti. Brady has has done it without great receivers, but he's had some running backs, and they've had a defense, and that they have not been talent deficient in their dynasty. Green Bay's got a lot of guys. Yeah, thirty three thirty. Once again, Monday Night Football final, sixty three points thrown up. So you know you're wondering whether or not James Conner and Le'Veon Bell might be able to make a dent together. Instead of one over the other, well, yeah. clearly, there was a bunch of guys up. were getting asked about you know do you put Bell in the slot and let him play receiver? Except we don't have a third receiver. These are questions the media was sure. at Steelers. Well, he wants to be let, paid as a receiver and also. Connor run, but I'm thinking you know the you like one too. You yeah. like just having them spell each other and just kind of change it up constantly. Maybe maybe the the could the answer in this passing frenzy be running the ball. 
I don't know. The way the tight ends are catching the ball right now, a, well, A.B., saying, Juju. I'm, I'm not saying never throw you it. Put but Lev out there. Could that be the thing that differentiates the Steelers is they have they're maybe the one team in all these teams that can throw it and can also run it. Yeah, I mean. And can dictate that way. I'm just spitballing here, but. Yeah, you talked about that earlier about you know ball control, controlling the clock. That might be the way to beat Brady. Do, keep, and do keep teams off the have field. to start thinking about that? Like when Kansas City got the ball the other night, and they were trying to tie the game up. Should their thought process have been, we got to get a touchdown, but we can't get one too fast? Hmm. And that would, I mean, that's ridiculous. Every year prior to this year, but is that going to be how teams have to start approaching this stuff now? One eighteen is too much time. I don't know. The Bengals, they ran the ball, and the guy got four yards and scored. Were they just trying to kill some time there or make the Steelers use a timeout? I wondered if the defensive call for Keith Butler there was hands off. Daggum. Let him in the Daggum, let, end zone. let him run right in the end zone. Sure was open. I don't think they did that for a second. But no. It would have been smart. No. Looked like they did. <laughs> He walked right in. I was happy. I was like, good. All right, fine. Yeah. Don't forget, Tomlin before has said, our defense couldn't stop anybody. I thought our offense was the best way to win the game. He has onside kicked with a lead. That's what I'm saying. So, Might be back to that stuff. Pens are hosting Vancouver tonight. Justin Schultz, uh, surgery to, pra- to repair a fracture in his lower left leg. He's going to be out for Oof. four months. Matt Murray is back. That's a 7 o'clock face-off on your Penn's flagship, 105.9 The X. What would you say? It's calendar night? It, it is, is calendar night. Wow. It's very exciting. Go get your 2019 calendar. Brewers beat the Dodgers 4 to nothing behind Jolice Chassin. We're in the National League Championship Series. The Brewers, Brewers got a 2-1 lead. Brewers got a 2-1 lead. Uh, Red Sox and Astros resumed today at 5:09. Tied at a game apiece. Brewers and Dodgers game four, 9:09 tonight. What's the Brewers payroll? Uh, it's it's much healthier than the Pirates. Formidable. I think. Yeah. Oh yeah, they went out and spent some money this year. Now the market size, pretty comparable. It's never is, been about market size. Is Bob Nutting rooting for anybody but the Brewers? <laughs> Come on, L.A. Come on, Boston. He probably doesn't even know the World Series is about to happen. No, I don't think he does. He's already concentrating on... He's trying to fix chair three out at Seven Springs right now. (laughs) We could fit two more people on here. It's not a quad, Bob. Billy Gardell's coming back 9 a.m. this morning, and uh, Bill's got a lot to talk about this morning, so we're really looking forward to uh, speaking with him. Also, Zebra Talk with Gene Steratore coming up at 8.15. After further review... I mean, what's he going to say about that? The pick. The Yeah. We know what Al Riveron had to say about it. Let's hear what Gene Steratore had to say about it. That and Vontez Perfect. Uh, plus, our ode to the Escaloser, Mike. One of the greatest stadium, I don't know what you call it, features. Attractions. Yeah, in, in, in all of the NFL. It's the signature architectural handprint. Just just a bunch of it is sad amazing. people, slowly, uniformly. Fenway's got the green monster. Paul Brown Stadium has the Escalusa. It's the DVE morning show, Randy Bauman, along with Bill Crawford here. And, you know, a lot of people, Bill, are uh, talking about the band Greta Van Fleet. Yeah, they are. As the second coming of Led Zeppelin. Well, this DJ put a mashup together of Zeppelin's The Wanton Song. 
and Greta Van Fleet's When the Curtain Falls. So you can hear it mashed up. I mean, look, it, it, it fits it. in there, but uh, doesn't he kind of sound a little bit like, I mean, he's some like early Getty Lee in his voice. This is a singer from the Afros at the drive-ins. He kind of sound, driving, he kind of sounded like that too, I thought. So there have been those who have Good call imitated. on Getty Lee. I hear some of that yeah, there the, for sure. Like the, like Fly By Night era, like even the first uh, Rush album. Uh, one of the bands long ago that was first sort of back then it wasn't oh good they sound like Led Zeppelin it was an accusation they sound like Led Zeppelin but they were badasses the band Kingdom Come they're playing at Jurgles tomorrow night Danny Stag is the guitar player oh one a, of the Stagger one of the Stagger Waltz there's a lot of Stagger Waltz there is well this they're one. like uh, Pittsburgh's Wayan brothers. <laughs> Pretty big family. Yeah, picnic. right. Well, this would be the uh, the talented one. Yeah. So whatever. <laughs> this is the Keenan okay, of the group. Yeah. And that's uh, Wednesday night. They're going to be playing at Jurgles. So you can go nice. check that out. The the Steelers Bengals game. One thing I was really fearing if we lost was not the fact that the Steelers were going to plummet in the AFC North standings, not the indignation of losing to the Bengals. Period. Or giving Lev Bell the satisfaction that we've been having a tough go without him. That has been, by the way, one of the great byproducts of the Steelers getting it together a little bit here, particularly with James Conner kicking ass. No question. Is it about must it. be driving Lev nuts, and that makes me happy as a Steeler fan. How do you like that, Lev? James Conner's just, you know, rolling out hundred yard games. Yeah. You've been away a long time. Maybe they didn't come down there and tell you. <laughs> we right. don't tie the Browns no more. But what I really feared was if we beat or we didn't beat the Bengals, we wouldn't get to see the Escalusa in action. But lo and behold, a minute and 18, way too much to leave on the clock for Big Ben and A.B. They drive down the field, seven plays, 77 yards, I believe is uh, what it was all about there. Ben gets it done, and the Bengals fans, once again, are relegated to the Escalusa, that escalator that takes them from the top level down to the bottom where they all feel shame. And uh, we thought that (laughs) needed... A musical tribute. Escaloosa. Escaloosa. And it looks worse from up here to me. Of all the games that we have won and have lost. From back when Chemo ripped Carson Palmer's leg off. We take the lead and bungle it up in the end. And ride this booming stairway of my loser friends. Escalusa, take me far away from these cursed seats. Escalusa, we're the laughing stock of the AFC. I have to laugh, we had it one clock running down. How could we not have covered Antonio Brown? Marvin Lewis. 
Chris has been at this for some time. How could he not have fired his dumb guy? As a loser, thinking far enough where I don't see. As a loser, what his perfect coming felonies? What have we done to deserve such a fate? The best that we can hope for is it's deja vu, it's nothing new, I've seen it all. The jaws of defeat clapped down on our bangle balls. As a loser, there's no hope for a Super Bowl ring. As a loser, I can't wait for death, I'm jumping off this thing. Woo! Zeppelin there, immigrant song. So yeah, the uh, Zeppelin influence, Kingdom Come uh, of 80s fame, tomorrow night at Jurglesville. And uh, what didn't they play on the Monsters of Rock tour? They might have. I think they did. I don't know. I don't remember that. I know their drummer was the Scorpions drummer for a long time. The Scorpions. Hello, this is Klaus Meiner from the Scorpion. I just picture him saying that every time he walked in the room. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, it's Klaus Meiner from the Scorpions. What are you guys doing? You're listening to DVE. You guys having say? lunch? It looks rocking wonderful. <laughs> Klaus, shut up. Sounds remarkably like him. <laughs> Dude, I used to. I love him so much because he didn't care. He had the first Kevin Dubrow hair. No. Yes, he did. He doesn't have a rug. Klaus, no, I'm saying, do you remember how Kevin oh. Dubrow was going bald? In the beginning. And he was I, like, I, I, I don't care. I'm just going to let these little like puppy ears grow down on the side. And no, no one will the, pay like, it. The first record. No one will pay attention to my receding hairline on top. So, no. so Oh, yeah. But Klaus Mina had the first one. If you watch, Google the video for Blackout. Uh, or for No One Like You, I'm sorry, which is not the Blackout album. He gets up. For some reason, it's this weird dream he has about going to Alcatraz, which is a very strange video. <laughs> there are a lot of weird videos in the 80s. But, like, he gets out of bed at one point, like, to wake up from his dream, and he's totally, like, his hair, it just looks hilarious to he me. He did not have good rock and roll hair. He didn't care. He grew it as, as he'd grow it long where it would grow long. And now he just wears a hat, I think. <laughs> Klaus Mata, hi, everybody. I'm here to buy a hat. <laughs> <laughs> How's everybody doing at the hat store? <laughs> Klaus Meiner. Hi, Val. What's on the news? <laughs> uh, Klaus, we're going to talk about how long sex should last. Oh, it should last star. a rocking long time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So that's coming up. Yeah, he just wears a hat all the time, which good for him. Yeah. It's okay. All right. I have a. You have to stall because don't I don't do the uh, don't do the the bad poodle rug like Kevin Dubrow did after a while because uh, that just looks ridiculous. Kevin Dubrow, because everybody look, knows he looked like he was like he looked like one of those old English, <laughs> like I don't know what you call them. He looked like he was like he in wore Louis tights. The, Louis yeah, fourteenth's uh, <laughs> entourage, tights and long coats and pantaloons. Oh, I love pantaloons. <laughs> I'm Klaus Miner. Rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> it really does sound like him. Jeez, that's <laughs> so funny. Because every promo, the one DVE promo we have where they like get messed up in they the middle. They screw it up, yeah. And they start talking to each other in German and they're I, like, they're that, like, what are you doing in German? Where'd that go? 
I have no idea. It got lost. It was the funniest sounding thing. They like get. They're like, "Hi, Pittsburgh. We're ready to rock on Davy." Oh, do do nine bike. Yeah, they just go on this yeah. German like run, and okay. then they go back at it. And they're like, "Okay, okay, okay, okay." Rock and roll on the DVE. I'm Klaus Meiner. Um, she's uh, tours got zebra talk. Billy Gardell's coming back for you, and um. Mike Pursuit with your sports. He was talking with everyone in the locker room uh, about Le'Veon Bell coming back. I think Love Bell might have just totally screwed this up. At first, I was like, okay, I see what he's doing. It's ballsy. I get it. He's giving a little bit up now to get a lot more later, showing his worth. But it's completely backfired if James Conner goes out and he's lights out. Will they drug test him immediately? Oh, my God. That might be why he's not coming back. It might be. He's got to wait this thing out. Hey, Le'Veon, do you want to ride the jet ski and party rock and roll? The omelet station, it should be very uncomplicated, right? Hey, I'd like an omelet. This is what I'd like in it. Yesterday, the omelet station at this place, they're like, you got to go fill out a card. (laughs) It's on your table. I'm like, yeah, but I just want like, what if I just want spinach and tomatoes in an omelet? And the guy's like got to go fill out the card. I'm like, now it's like a bank loan. I got to go for a review of whether or not I'm going to get the omelet or not. I'm sorry. You're just not approved for the omelet. (laughs) Just make the omelet. I'm right here. There's nobody in line. Yeah. I was like joking around. He's like, how was the brunch with your mom? I goes, great. You know, you should send her a Mother's Day card. After all, she gave you six kids. And he goes, you want to know why I don't? And I'm like, no, (laughs) I really don't. I I was just, I just, it was a passing. I was just busting your, never mind. At least fill out this omelet card. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. I'm just going to start taking a pre-filled out omelet card with me. Everywhere you go? Just to, just to Erie just when I go to visit my mom and have brunch. I mean, what a letdown. You're waiting in line and then they go fill out a card. Oh, come on. Where did the omelet start? Like, why, why wasn't scrambled eggs good enough? Or did it start with an omelet? Yeah, it's, an omelet it's is just kind scrambled of scrambled eggs, uh, yeah. like in pancake form. It just looks nice. It has a better texture than scrambled eggs. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. It's kind of like the Permanis idea of just throw the whole meal into one easy right. location. It's a big egg pocket. Well, you if you can... just make scrambled eggs, it's like that's like egg rocks. Yeah, but you it's don't like fluffy rocks. eat an omelet with your hands. Mm. <laughs> well, maybe you do. <laughs> no, you don't. You don't eat any egg with your hands. It's, no, I'm saying it. But it's pleasing. The, the textures, you know, nicer. Don't you like seeing a nice no. omelet? Not oh. a fan. All right, ham and cheese. Nope, just sprinkle it in the eggs. I told you some guy in college taught me. Uh, one of my roommates was uh, an HRM guy, HRIM, hotel restaurant management. Oh, okay. That was his major, and he, he, I kept screwing up trying to make omelets. He's like, no, he's like, dude, real simple. Take it off the burner, put it underneath the broiler, and it'll cook everything on top mm-hmm. without having to do the flip. Yeah, and then you don't you screw go. it up. And then it cooks mm. both sides evenly, and then you can do the flip nice. See, my mm. roommate was an H and M guy, and he <laughs> used to just make omelets and skinny jeans. Oh yeah, and cheap t shirts. Oh, yeah. Well, you went to a performing arts school. Uh, what do you got going on there, Val? Here's a Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Dormont Appliance. Oven. It's 38 degrees at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Diocese of Greensburg officials are waiting on police before sharing details of sex abuse allegations against three priests. 
The diocese's Father Joseph Bonifed, Monsignor Michael Matuzak, and Father James Clark will remain out of ministry until the probes are completed. The priests were not among 300 named in the Pennsylvania Grand Jury report on abuse in the Catholic Church. A bizarre story out of New York City. Investigators are trying to figure out how a man was strangled in a subway station escalator. These stories always freak me out. Officials say Carlos Alvarez's shirt somehow got tangled up in the escalator early Sunday morning in the Bronx. He was found unconscious. There is reportedly video of the freak accident showing him trying to get out. Uh, The 48-year-old was taken to a hospital after responders cut off his shirt. He, though, did not survive. Ah, Awful. Yeah. Escalators always freak me out. I mean, not to the point. on the heels of the Escalusa song. Right. Not to the point that I won't take it, but I'm always like, "Ah, make sure my shoelaces aren't dangling. Oh, yeah. I don't play games whenever I'm with my kids at any kind of department store or anything. I'm like... Don't sure screw you're... around on here. <laughs> right. Well, they have those like those death teeth at the top. Right. That's probably when where you're... this guy got pulled in. When you're coming up, isn't there a way to? There is a. I think there on most of them, like there's a button, like an emergency stop button. You know where that what doesn't a ter- happen. Terrible way to go. The stairs. <laughs> what a terrible, terrible way to go. Yeah. Yes. That's horrifying. Hoping and praying. It doesn't go like that for me. Would you know? Really, that's on, the an, end? That's on them, an escalator. Yeah, just really hoping for that in in your sleep death. Not one of those. Oh my god, I'm going to die the dumbest way ever. Like realizing it, oh, mm-hmm. and and painful. On your way to buy Crocs at a kiosk. <laughs> <laughs> that's no way to die. <laughs> some some jackass is like flying one of those tiny little drones around. <laughs> It's the last thing you hear. <laughs> Smelling Abercrombie and Fitch store. Yeah, spinning oh. those helicopter things. <laughs> Damn it. The Donald Daters app is leaking users' data less than 24 hours after its launch. The new dating app promising to make America date again aims to connect supporters of President Trump in a Tinder-style interface. The app had just over 1,600 users on its first day. TechCrunch reports a French security researcher was able to download the entire user database of the app, which has since been pulled offline. That includes users' names, profile pictures, device type, and even private messages. <sighs> Oops. Like, looks like so you've been exposed. Make America bait again, apparently. Uh, sometimes movies and pornos create unrealistic expectations about sex as far as how long sex should last. Forever and ever. <laughs> Rock and roll. I put rom-coms and porns in the same category. <laughs> Equally as unrealistic. Or, uh, Zappa used to rail against that, that like love songs and movies were the worst things that ever happened to the American culture because it completely skewed everybody's uh, expectations. Yeah. Pretty unrealistic. It's not hours and hours, despite what hours you, and hours you might sting. Think. It's minutes right. and minutes. Do that sting humping. How long did he say? He Twelve would? hours. Yeah. Tantric sex. Um, <sighs> rock and roll. And he's playing the lute the whole time. <laughs> I wonder if Klaus Mina just shouts those things <laughs> during sex. Rock and roll. Oh, it feels so good. <laughs> Klaus Mina. <laughs> I haven't even taken off my tighty whities. <laughs> <laughs>
He definitely wears tidy whitey. <laughs> he does, dude. In the video, uh, the band Icarus, which just tweeted this at me, his the video for uh, No One Like You. He's That's in bed. Like 1984. So what? He's wearing he's wearing tidy whiteies in the bed. Look, Bill. They he, didn't he's have ju- he's jumping around briefs back then. <laughs> <laughs> he's a weirdo oh, German. Man. You know he's wearing They're like an off white. I like tidy whiteies. <laughs> well, Close. anyway, uh, sex should last thirty minutes. Researchers said it's important to remember everyone is different, but they found 40% of people said their ideal sex romp would last more than 30 minutes, although only 24% said they were actually doing it for that long. In reality, 47% said they were spending just 15 minutes getting it on. And for six, that still seems pretty long. Fourteen percent said just ten minutes. I mean, again, poor. poor One sex expert said that people shouldn't panic if they aren't currently meeting the expected number, saying thirty minutes would be way too short for some, but for others, might be a long time. What's important is that you are both satisfied with the time you spend having sex. That's what matters. Sexpert says that it's important to keep things fresh and mix it up and try new things together. And she says to aim to connect on a regular basis rather than keeping score. That might mean a sexy kiss or some type of foreplay that doesn't necessarily go any further. Look, you know, it's kind of like eating dinner. Sometimes you sit down and have a nice, long, several-course meals. And other times you just go through the drive-thru. Right. You're like <laughs> Joey your Chestnut. <laughs> eating your car. <laughs> exactly. That's right. Speaking of keeping score, I got a countdown clock in my room. <laughs> Joey Chestnut. <laughs> That's hilarious. As much as you can in as quick amount of time as you can. <laughs> I put the Price is Right yodel guy on in the background just to give me an idea of how that way you can (laughs) when he falls off when he falls off it's like oh probably (laughs) and finally so we have a little bit of a buffer between us and Gene's territory yeah clean it up for uh, Uh, Gene will appreciate that the lineup out for the 2019 Experience Hendrix tour copy it The event celebrates the life of the late guitarist Jimi Hendrix. Uh, right now, musicians Billy Cox, Joe Satriani, Ernie Isley, Taj Mahal, Dave Mustaine, which is like Whoa. one of these things is not like the others. Johnny Lang and Eric Johnson all performing. The tour kicks off in Florida in March and runs through April. No Pittsburgh date right now, but hopefully that'll change. What the hell is Dave Mustaine doing on I that I don't tour? know. That's just I mean, like, I like Dave what? Mustaine, but like... just. I wouldn't expect Johnny Lang to go on like a a metal, like a Yingwei Malmsteen yeah. thing or something. You if, know, uh, I mean, who knows? Maybe he'll show some different styles, but we'll find out. Clouds and sun, mid fifties for the high today. It is thirty nine at DVE. Steelers huddle back on DVE tonight from seven to eight with Jerry Dulac, Dale Lawley, and Steelers defensive end Stefan Tuitt. Billy Gardell will be joining us a little bit later on this morning as well. Billy's been out for a while, and a lot of stuff happening in Bill's life, and we'll let him get you all caught up on it. Uh, you know, we've all talked to them in the last week or so, so it's going to be good to have them back on the air and some good things happening uh, in Bill's career, too. So excited to talk about those things and some personal stuff he wants to share. Uh, that will be at nine o'clock. Don't miss that. All right. Talking football right now. Zebra Talk with Gene Steratore. 
Uh, and uh, Gene, first of all, is brought to us by Hovis Auto and Truck Supply. Uh, Gene, gr- great to talk with you this morning. And everybody is now asking me after Steeler games, when's Steratore on? Everyone wants to know because they want you have now officially become the DVE audience's sounding board. You're more trusted than Al Riveron. Let's put it that yeah. way. Listen, guys, it's taken me almost 20 years. I know I've made it now. This yeah. is the case. I'm in it. I'm loving it. And it's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> I can't thank you enough. I now, really yeah. Know. Now that you're the DVE guru, yeah, you've really, what a, what a notch on on the belt that is for you. No, no. Don't underestimate that, Rand. That's huge stuff, buddy. Don't I'll, say that. I don't. I don't at all. Here's, here's my question for you, first and foremost. Yeah. All right. Al Riveron comes out with this excuse about why the Hunter block wasn't a pick on uh, McCray before uh, A.B. springs for the touchdown there. There seems to be some confusion about the contact from McCray being first. If the defensive guy goes at Hunter on that one, yep. how long is he allowed to stay engaged if he didn't initiate the contact? Does it, do the rules of the pick block still apply? Yeah, they will, and they will in this way. And look, I like the way you kind of prefaced that, too. It was like from our river on, here's the excuse. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That was a pretty good word. You got that thing out there. And listen, I, the one beautiful part about being an official for all these years is that whenever we try to explain something to someone, they're very skeptical and think we're BSing them all the time. And now in this new platform the minute that you try to explain to the world what officials really do or what's going on in those two or three seconds you know the haters come out immediately no matter what they do steratore protects his guys he's lying he's spinning it you know all that stuff so it is what it is but you know we'll keep pushing forward and hopefully try to explain some of this stuff after we again watch them three or four hundred times and talk (laughs) about them for four days so that's where this is now what you just said brand is that, that is where he's at. Look, we all know these plays that occur in the NFL when the D-backs are that tight and it's stirred down and probably less than five. Almost every play, like that short yardage, it's man-to-man. The defensive back gets one shot at pushing somebody within five yards. Uh, depending on all the scenarios, a lot of things happen right before the snap that the normal person may not see. And if you really go back and watch this play for the 400th time, you'll see – that D-back that's on top of this wide out inside of Antonio's got an outside stance with him because he doesn't want to let that widest receiver get to the sideline, make a 10-yard catch or whatever because the, they want to keep him in, in the field of play. So the D-back's outside of the receiver right before the snap. And at the snap, the defensive back reaches inward outside of the frame of his body and pretty much is trying to – I would think he's trying to jam that receiver back inside a little more, right? He's keeping him mm-hmm. away from the sideline. When he reaches like that, again, outside of his frame and initiates, although subtly initiates contact with that receiver, a good NFL player and a good football player, which all of these guys are fantastic, feels that reach, understands that technically did he initiate it, although it's subtle, sure. So immediately if his job before that snap was to get in front of him and try to pick him legally, if I can use those two words right next to each other, Mm That's what happens. So the D-back puts himself kind of in a gray area because he reaches for him. And as soon as he does, the receiver kind of squeezes that distance from his extended arm back into his body, and it's the receiver's job in a, in a, in a technical way at that point to get between himself and that defensive back to pick him, 
legally without making it egregious. If he reaches like that and this wideout turns and directly faces that D-back now and starts driving him up the field, then it's offensive pass interference. All of those things happen, guys. I mean, every one of those elements do occur within that one and a half seconds. Now, if he throws offensive pass interference, can I tell you that the majority of the country probably is like, yeah, it's offensive pass interference, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, it jumps out off of the screen in that way. If you break it down technically, like Al Riveron did, not to excuse the official, but to at least explain the, the technical, very technical parameters about what initiating contact means and what that then creates, that's what he's trying to do. It, it's a, it's a, it, we, I don't use this term lightly, and neither do officials. People take it lightly when you say it. There are hard plays to do in the NFL, hard plays to referee. That's a hard play, okay, from where we live and what the right. world lives in officiating. It's a hard play. It's a reaction. It takes one and a half seconds. Football's in the air. He catches it. There's no flag. Again, we've all watched it now for 48 straight Every hours. time you watch a Patriots game the last 15 years, you see it. Yeah, yeah. and you know what, man? Yeah, and you're legally allowed to block, provided that one part of your body is still within one yard, too. So if we go back to that Super Bowl where New England ran that two-point conversion and, like, the back foot of a couple wideouts were right at the one while they were pushing someone almost at the two and a guy catches the ball behind and scores, it looks terrible. They Look, everybody in this league goes and takes every rule right to its extent and finds out where can I gain an advantage without violating the rule or maybe even going just that little bit over to put that element in there to allow us to get that tiny bit of an advantage. That's how tight the games are. That's how good the players are. Everyone does that. It's not cheating. It's them taking those rules and going, okay, where can I take this right to the edge where now we gain just that one little click of an advantage? And and that's that's the way this game gets played. So, that's what happens. So what happened here, Gene? McCray initiates the contact, so yep. there's, there's no initial OPI call, but – Hunter extended the block and probably should have been called. Yeah, because yeah, as he's squeezing it, Mike, now is he – see, when a defensive player is in an established legal kind of defensive guarding position, the onus is on the offensive player that he has to avoid that player in his legal guarding. It's almost weird. It's kind of a block charge field play, you know what I mean, when I go back and forth with my two sports. So if you're legal and guarding as a defender, that's your space. You own it. The offensive player's responsibility is he has to avoid that space which you own. When he reaches outside of his frame, he's put himself in jeopardy because now he initiated contact away from that framework or legal guarding kind of position. But as you said, that D-back then starts to crowd what is his space and now starts to move upfield. Better move for him probably is to turn back as he's already got his body into that D-back, put his arms up, look back at Ben like I'm open, I'm open as he's riding him out like we watch defensive backs do when they squeeze receivers on the sideline and literally kind of squeeze them right out of bounds. You know, that feel. So, uh, yeah, I think, again, like I said, he, he, he Al did everything that he needs to do as a supervisor and explain that rule technically. But you would have flagged uh, Hunter. I think if you throw on the flag, no one's questioning it, Mike. Yeah, right. that would be right. the safe move from an official standpoint. Well, that probably makes Marvin Lewis feel just peachy this morning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what? I think these guys understand it. It, it's hard. And then when you have plays like this in, in any sport where a decision like that now ends up and you can put it directly almost to the result of the, of the final you know, outcome of the game, that's what's hard uh, for officials to live. And it's, I'm, I'm sure, much harder at times. 
uh, for someone like Marvin Lewis today to deal with. Speaking know? of uh, making life hard for officials, how much <laughs> how much fun was Vontez Perfect to deal with? <laughs> I I have to tell you guys in all honesty, when I did my hour walk around, every time I had them, I would go to him and have a nice little kind of, uh, you know, great uncle talk with him about how much I love the way he plays and how intense he is and how he just has to just kind of stop right before he decides to put both arms out and lead with his helmet, you know, or say the extra three or four things during the game and try to at least get him emotionally or psychologically accepting of the fact that we were going to probably communicate for the next three hours a few times and not to take it personally. There's, there's players in the game like that. And, and I don't ever like to think that any of them are just, just dirty players or their intent is to do real physical damage to somebody. Um, you question it every once in a while when you watch plays and see things, but there, there are certain players that just that, that line, they, they just go over it. You know, and it's their emotion or their intensity or their inability maybe to, to, to stop that. And there's a lot of that happening. And as the games get harder and the games get bigger and the intensity grows, that's a big part of officiating. It's to recognize those individuals and not punish them and not go into them and, you know, be a hard, uh, you know, be a real hard guy with them in between plays. There's, there's psychology going on out there, yeah. you know, where you try to keep him within it. And he would always tell Marvin, you know, I wish Gene worked every game. He gets me in my, you know, in my moment. I'm all right then. And then I'd watch the game next week, and he gets fined again. You know, I want to, I almost want to pick up the phone and Marvin, let me talk to Vontez before <laughs> next game. You know, Please don't hit people in the head with your elbow. <laughs> exactly Thanks, right. buddy. Have a good game. Here's some goldfish. Here's, yeah, the, here's <laughs> Gene, here's the thing, though. I mean, why isn't there... A uh, process by which I understand if a, if if the refs miss the the shot to the head in the heat of the battle in the in the speed of the play if they don't see it but why isn't there a process by which a, a replay official can say guys you didn't get this he went straight at his head on that you got to give him a game you got to eject him from this game and that was intent to injure that's outside the bounds of the sport there there needs to be another control that doesn't allow these guys to get away with that stuff simply because they were able to hide it within the speed of a play. Other than the money, Randy, which is what they've always done in the past, right? If we missed those plays, then you'd find out by, what is it, Tuesday afternoon or Wednesday morning, so-and-so gets fined. If it's a second or third offense, those numbers usually pick up, and it's a dollar thing. I don't disagree with what you're saying, and I think early in the season we had those two egregious hits, if you remember Andrew Luck and – Gosh, I'm forgetting the other uh, quarterback where we did eject right on the field quickly, you know. And I think for me and from an official standpoint, the money is important, I'm sure, to all of them. I know we all laugh and say, what's 20 grand to this guy, blah, blah, blah. It's still 20 grand. But I think when you take guys out of the game in a 53-man roster and now they're playing without somebody, that that punishment is much more severe to that game and, and to his teammates. Than, than a monetary punishment. I do think what you also alluded to is probably not that far down the road, Randy, where we do start having what kind of college does for these. And if that helps get it out, and now at first do they just go in and replay buzz it and penalizing 15 yards next year or the year after maybe, and then following that, they heighten it or, or, or raise the level of that and say, now we're also going to eject you. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if that's where this thing goes as we move forward with all of that helmet contact. And, uh, 
and maybe what they're doing right now is understanding they put something in this game with the legal use of the helmet that all these guys that are in the NFL right now, this is how they, they got here playing that way. So they're the ones challenged with the biggest uh, uh, kind of challenge to actually to, to change the way they played. In five years, we won't have this conversation, I don't think, because the high school and college young men are, are playing that way now. So there'll be less of them, let's hope. But there is something there, and I don't disagree with what you're saying. you got to remember, too, guys, one of the most important things at 1 o'clock in an NFL game is that this thing needs to finish in three hours and three minutes so we can get 10 minutes of TV time between the 4.15 and 1 o'clock game. You keep replaying, replaying, and these games go 325. Uh, the whole production of Sunday afternoon changes. So they want to expedite the games as much as they can and keep them in that time frame, you know. Gene Serator, thanks so much for your time this morning. Next time uh, the Capitals are in town, if Wilson's off his suspension at that point, maybe you can go down and have a nice little chat with him before the game. <laughs> just <laughs> just tell him. Hey, degree. That's right. Hey, Tommy, how you doing? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run up to the concession stand. You Try need not anything? to kill anybody tonight. Uh, I'm going to say a lot of things at you in the next couple of hours. <laughs> Nothing personal, Tommy. <laughs> I love it. Uh, you're, you're like horse whisperer, man. That's pretty cool. You, you, well, you calm everyone down. I, it's survival. You guys got to understand you're trying to survive for three hours out there. That's not easy. Yeah. It's not easy. Yeah, well, that's I, I like that trick of the trade, though. That's a good one. I do that to Pursuit all the time. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Before we go on the air, after Michigan State is lost, I calm them down a little bit. I don't bit. remember what that feels like. Yeah. <laughs> you guys have been rolling, buddy. You've been rolling. Gene, thanks I so much. Got, you got it, man. Have a wonderful day. Okay, we'll see you. Uh, on the way for you. Mike I think Pasuda. what he was trying to say is nobody's perfect. Well Thank said. Thank God. Hey, you absolutely don't want to miss <laughs> the biggest night on TV. NBC's Tuesday night begins with TV's number one singing competition. And that, of course, is... The Voice, right? Powerhouse coaches, Kelly Clarkson, Jennifer Hudson. Uh, they got all kinds of good stuff going on on that show, Mike. Then the show that always surprises us, TV's number one drama, This Is Us. And tonight's an episode you can't miss. Yeah, you thought the uh, 70 Steelers stuff was uh, compelling. How about the little trip to Vietnam? Yeah, one of, the, one of the biggest mysteries on This Is Us. How did Jack become Jack? What's... Val, how did Jack become Jack? I've been wondering that. I have Jack questions. Well, now This Is Us will be going there. (laughs) Jack's relationship with his brother. What happened in Vietnam? Mike, how did Jack become the man who saved his entire family from that burning house? He's he's one of the most interesting characters I've seen in a long time, Randy. Uh, This is fascinating stuff. Well, now uh, millions have uh, fallen in love with TV's newest hero, Dr. Max Goodwin. This is uh, on the new hit drama everyone's talking about, New Amsterdam, based on a true story. One doctor, Mike, will break every rule to heal the system. Yeah, it's based on the oldest public hospital in America. That would be Bellevue in New York City. So that's uh, that's fascinating, me being a history buff. I love stuff like that. And what do you have here? You got you got an understaffed, underfunded, underappreciated facility that's trying to put the patients first and not the bottom line. That uh, that resonates today, does it not? It does. Critics are calling New Amsterdam the right prescription. Heartfelt, smart, richly textured, and all kinds of other good superlatives. It's super easy to catch up on it if you're missing episodes, too. Uh, Episodes of New Amsterdam streaming now at NBC.com. But make sure to watch the latest episode live. New Amsterdam, after The Voice, and this is us. Wow, Mike, this really is the biggest night of TV. 
Yeah, and uh, the New Amsterdam uh, coming on strong. Uh, Dr. Max Goodwin trying to uh, fight the system. He has a talk with all of his other doctors before they go into surgery to just make sure they're all on the same page. Calms them down, steratore-like. They know uh, what they're supposed to do and where they're supposed to be. See what you're supposed to see and be where you need to be. New Amsterdam tonight on NBC. DVE Sports. All right, Mike Pesuta with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Mike. So to summarize Zebra Talk. Yeah. Tony McRae did initiate the contact, but Justin Hunter took it too far. OPI. That was, you know, what I was wondering. Do you get carte blanche if that guy engages? And apparently, nope, same rules apply, so it doesn't matter. You just get your chance to do what you wanted to do, which which is muck up his ability to defend Brown. You're in the clear if you just hold your ground. But he... He pushed it forward, got away with it. Hey, it happens. I mean, you know, the calls are the calls, and you have to react to them, and the Steelers have been on the wrong end of some. They were on the right side of one. The only reason I keep emphasizing this is every time the Steelers lose, I hear a lot of people blaming it on the officials, and that stuff tends to even out. So just chill on that. That would. Be I also advice. don't think it's like as it's more akin to them missing a holding call on the line yeah. than it is any sort of egregious pass interference. Or that guy stepped out of bounds. Or yeah, I agree with you on that. It's it's a tough call, but you can't extend the way Hunter didn't drive the guy down the field. You can't do that. And then it would have been first and OPI ten yards back. Twenty ten seconds left. You got a timeout. You got to hit a pass probably to kick the field goal and win. Mm-hmm. Would have made it tougher. Bengals uh, would have still screwed won. it up. Yeah, we still would have won. They probably would have found a way. Mm-hmm. And the other, you know, the other conclusion uh, we reached uh, thanks to Gene Steratore is Montez Perfect's not a bad guy. He's just crazy. <laughs> totally crazy. Can't help himself. I, I mean, that's good. Good for Gene. I mean, it just shows what a pro he is and how smart he is when he, you know, when he was doing that, appealing to his better angels before a game. But well, hey, they're the ones that have to deal with that guy. So you know, why not, right? I just think they need to do more to protect their star players from guys who are intentionally trying to yes. hurt them with the one thing that they are trying to remove from the game. And if they just give him a fine, that is no message. If you take him out of the game, it really hurts the Cincinnati Bengals, and then maybe the Bengals are motivated to do something about it. Maybe not. I don't they know that anybody yet. controls Vontez perfect. They haven't yet. He look. I mean, look what he did in that that playoff game. Was it three years ago now? One of the dumbest things ever. He can't resist. This is who well, he is. Yeah, I mean, he. I think he gets too much crap for that playoff game. He had the interception that should have won it, and then Jeremy Hill had the fumble when there was you know the game was over. They were they were almost at kneel down time. And that play, he, he went at Brown's head, but it was still in the, the course of a play. You know what I mean? It was a, Pac- he didn't Ma- have to do Pac-Man it. It got dirty. The, the second dead ball personal foul, mm-hmm. which made it a whole lot easier field goal. If I'm the Bengals and I'm identifying who's screwed me out of that win over the Steelers, Jeremy Hill's number one, Pac-Man's number two, and Burfick's number three. Yeah, but he injured A.B. He injured A.B. That's why the Steelers well, fans. If I'm a Bengals fan, I don't care. Well, no, but that's why Steeler fans have always hated him because oh, he right. always tries to hurt either. He's hurt A.B., Lev Bell, and Ben all and in different And then they all said he was faking. He's faking the injury, and then he misses the next game. He's trying to steal my dreams. 
Remember AB said yeah, that? that was Pac-Man, right? Yeah, Pac-Man said he was faking, not Fontes. Fontes yeah. doesn't talk to the media, really. He just blocks people on Twitter. Who flipped out about Jerry Porter? Pac-Man. Pac-Man. <laughs> Jerry Porter on the field! <laughs> Steelers uh, enjoying their bye week. Uh, they will practice uh, such as it is today and tomorrow. Players were available to the media yesterday, and uh, of course the subject of Le'Veon Bell came up. David DeCastro talked about Bell in the context of how would it look if you had James Conner and Le'Veon Bell at running back? You know, a good, in-shape, all-pro Le'Veon Bell to go with James Conner. That's huge, man. I like that. I like that style. I think it's a hard position to have, you know, one. I think Le'Veon has done a tremendous job being a workhorse. I mean, that's somebody said it's hard to do. That's impressive what he's done. But to have two guys in there that are always going to be fresh and be able to pound on a defense like you see kind of like New Orleans Saints, kind of those kind of styles. I mean, I think it's a it's a good system to have. So we'll see how it goes. You know, I don't know. It's, a, it's kind of new territory, and it's, it's great, obviously, to have two capable backs. The subject was also broached to DeCastro. What about Le'Veon Bell as a slot receiver or even a wide receiver? And James Conner's the back. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, that's what coaches do, man. They find those mismatches. Obviously, Le'Veon's a huge mismatch against linebackers out in the slot in the passing game. And anyway, whatever it takes to win, I don't care. I don't care how, how we do it. You know, it's just occurred to me they really don't have an established third receiver yet. James Washington's play in Cincinnati was such that Justin Hunter was in the game at the end of the game. Maybe 26 is that third receiver. Stay tuned. And uh, speaking of crazy talk, this is totally out of left field. Antonio Brown was talking Sunday in Cincinnati after scoring the game-winning touchdown about having patience through the course of 60 minutes. That's how it is. You know, when I come out the games, they're going to be rolling two people my way the whole game. And uh, But I know as the game go on, we're going to be able to present opportunities. And uh, just, it's just all about uh, being positive, uh, staying poised, uh, trusting in your belief, uh, letting the game come to you. And uh, today, in, in, the, in the clutch moment, I know uh, I'm going to have opportunity to make a play. Did he just say, let the game come to you? Yeah, you know, look. I mean, he- did the clouds part and did a ray of sunshine come down in a circle and illuminate him at some point? I mean, when he starts speaking in, uh, in in sports cliches, I think we're in a good place. It's better than call me Ronald. Yeah. <laughs> Ronald. And what were we talking about when they were... See what happens when you win? When they, were, when they were losing, everything's flying off the rails. Oh, Ben loves me. When they win, everything's great. Ben loves me. I can have patience and let the game come to me as long as I get that game winner. Billy Gardell coming up at 9 <laughs> o'clock, and it's been a while since we've uh, talked with Billy, so I'm really looking forward to hanging with him this morning, and you won't want to miss it. Also, your chance to text win $1,000 in workforce cash coming up at the top of the hour here on the DBE Morning Show. Randy Bauman along with Val Porter, Bill Crawford, Mike Pursuta, Joe Rakicki producing. You know, I have a great deal of sympathy for announcers of uh, sports games, anybody, any talking head when they misspeak. I mean, we do this, you know, every morning for four hours, and we goof up constantly mm-hmm. in front Not of me. like a million people. <laughs> no, you I guys mean, do. Um, it's hard to watch sometimes. <laughs> but when it becomes your identity as a broadcaster, then it's time to sort of single you out for special recognition. Maybe hang it up. Jason Witten. Monday Night Football off to a great start is just terrible (laughs) and there's really no other way to say it San Francisco cannot kick themselves in the foot like that 
Yeah, kicked them. Yeah, San Francisco. San Francisco cannot kick themselves in the foot like this. But really, when you're mixing metaphors, it's one thing. But when you just don't know what it is in the first place, it's quite another. I tell you what, Tess, you saw Aaron Rodgers there. Blood on his elbow. Big old knee brace on. Hitting the wrist. It doesn't matter. He pulls another rabbit out of his head. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. That's not the saying. Pull the rabbit out of his head. That's not a saying, Jason. I mean. Great tight end. Hall of Fame, maybe. He um, called Aaron Rodgers Sam Rodgers later in the game. <laughs> yeah, he did. He is. I mean, he's an idiot. I think when he got those hair transplants, some of the poison seeped into his brain there. <laughs> and it's affecting his words. Yeah. He doesn't speak so good. That's uh, tough. Steelers Huddle is back on DVE tonight. 7-8 with Jerry Dulac, Dale Lawley, and Steelers defensive end Stephon Tuitt. I want to remind you that. Tuitt speaks well. He has that laugh. Tuitt has that laugh. <laughs> <laughs> kind it's, of infectious. Yeah. Well, it also, it sounds like he might have, he want a pet and name him George and <laughs> stroke him the wrong way. <laughs> he really got comfortable on that show and really kind of opened up towards the end of the season. Yeah, he's funny. To it? Yeah. He's, yeah. I love it, that it guy. Dude is hilarious. He's like a, a big, lovable, just giant. So that's from 7 to 8 tonight. Jerry D and Dale Wally, which is a real hard Pittsburgh. It's a hard Yinzer Dale last Wally. name. Do you guys go over to the Wallys for dinner? Who? Dale Wally. They, they pull another <laughs> rabbit out of their head. Hey, Dale Wally. Dale Wally. A man who swam naked among sharks. At Ripley's Aquarium of Canada in downtown Toronto late Friday is wanted in connection with a violent assault earlier in the evening. Val, we talked about this a little bit yesterday. Did you know the assault part of the story? I did not. Police have identified him as David Weaver, 37, of Nelson, British Columbia. He is wanted for assault causing bodily harm. He's believed to be driving a green Dodge. <laughs> He's five foot ten, two twenty, heavy build, shaved head, goatee, and in a, in a surprise, missing teeth. Who would have thought? Did he assault one of the fish? It looked like he wanted to. Now, there's a video of it on uh, CBC. Yeah. The guy in the tank. Yeah. He's, He's lucky to be around. around. He's just, you know. Buck naked. Splashing around. And there He's got were... a, uh, some bait, a couple bobbers. He's <laughs> lucky to be alive. Is Wait. that chum? <laughs> Green sawfish. Green sea turtles. Are those snapping turtles? No. Green moray no. eels and other... No. 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 Other species of tropical fish are also housed in the tank. Moray eels, they'll mess you up. Oh, yeah. Didn't you get electrocuted by those things? No, that's an electric eel. <laughs> <laughs> what are the moray eels Which do? they used to cook have one a, at the zoo. Cook you a spaghetti? <laughs> no, no, they're really good on special teams, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's amore. Happy Sunday. All right. Uh, security personnel asked the man to leave. He got out of the t out of the pool, and it looked like he was like gonna get out, and then he backflipped back into he it did again. A back smacker. God, I wish it was right into the mouth of a shark. Home. <laughs> Darwin wins. What are you doing, dude? Yeah, Joe will post this for you at dv.com if you'd like to see a naked, five foot ten, two hundred twenty pound man with no teeth swimming with sharks. Do it, man. <laughs> F that shark. I blame uh, the shape of water. This is just making everyone want to have sex with fish. 
It is. The, re- the guy set a bunch of uh, hard-boiled eggs on the edge of the, uh, <laughs> the tank. He did give it an makes- explanation for why he stripped completely naked and jumped into the frigid pool. My balls was hot. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be my new thing to think of when I, I'm trying not to cry. Instead of puppies? Yeah. You're going to go. Or to- instead of Bill smashing toys when he's pissed off. <laughs> That's so funny. I'm going to go to my balls bizarre. Bill smashing toys when he's angry is the funniest thing ever. (laughs) I wish I had video of that. So do I. (laughs) In my basement, breaking toys that make noise. Your Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week, Jose and Tony's. Mount Lebanon, 225 Bud Light Light 20-ounce drafts. Bud Lout. Bud Lout. Bud Light 20-ounce drafts during all Steeler games. They always spell drafts. Like the old English spelling on these. Like drought? Yeah. 20 ounce droughts. Klaus Meiner likes a drought. <laughs> During all sea like it's rock and roll. Jose El Torres. That's your Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week. Billy Gardell is next on. Uh, sometimes movies and pornos create unrealistic expectations about sex. As far as how long sex should last. Forever and ever. <laughs> Rock and roll. Pretty unrealistic. It's not hours and hours. Despite what. Hours you, and hours. You might sting. Think. It's minutes right. and minutes. Dude, that's sting humping. How long did he say? He 12 would, hours. Yeah. Tantric sex. Um, Rock and roll. And he's playing the lute the whole time. <laughs> I wonder if Klaus Mina just shouts those things <laughs> during sex. Rock and roll. Oh, it feels so good. I'm. <laughs> Klaus <laughs> I haven't even taken off my tighty whities <laughs> Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. I don't know why he makes me laugh. He I was, sounds like the happiest guy on earth. I, I, I was Googling pictures of Klaus Mina just to make me laugh because his hair is so funny. He looks like Rolf the dog from the Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> Like if you put a little, hi, I'm Ralph Miner. <laughs> <laughs> he is always so damn happy, though, Val. He is. I bet he's fun to hang out with. Oh, my God. Yeah. The other ones, not so much. They look like they're a drag, but Klaus Klaus looks awesome. The Shanker? Yeah. Brothers? I don't I can't, They were both Who's, in that uh, band, right? Yeah. At, at some point, yeah. I know. Um, <laughs> Matthias Yobbs is. Matthias Yobbs. Is that how you say his name? Matthias Tabs. Of the Scorpions. Sean has a lot of talking with uh, Klaus Meiner in his. Uh, We're looking very much forward to the Get Your Sing and Blackout Tour. It will take us all around the world in the next two, two and a half, three years. So, no time to be said right now. This is the moment to get the party started. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, sir, you're just a giant eagle. <laughs> I know. I love the fuel perks. <laughs> Rock and roll. Uh, I, I wish I had Klaus minus energy. All the time. All the time. Oh, Val, here it is. Right, I, I think this is it. Hi, this is Roshenka. And this is Klaus Miner of, of the, the Scorpions. Scorpions. You're listening to 102.5 Pittsburgh's home of Rock and Roll. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Rock and roll. I love you. Got to clip out that rock and roll for me. I want that. So that was with Rudolf Schenker. Matthias Yabs was the other one. <laughs> Matthias Yabs was the super ugly one, I think. 
Not that there's a, b- a bunch of J. Crew models in that band. <laughs> yeah, who's the looker? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> And I don't know why I thought J. Crew was my go-to for hot guys. <laughs> I need like a better uh, a better reference for that. How about uh, Chippendales? There you go. Something like that. Chippendales. <laughs> That's a little out of date. Randy, why do you have J. Down Crew under? magazines all over the back of your car? No reason. Oh, my. All right. Billy's going to join us uh, shortly, so we'll get to... Uh, <laughs> To, to Bill when he gets a chance. I want to remind you, though, the Pittsburgh Fantasy Football Challenge is back at DV.com. The grand prize for Week 7 is a $100 Steelers Pro Shop gift card plus a $50 Sheets gift card. Head to DVE.com for rules and registration. You must submit a lineup by 12.55 p.m. Sunday, October 21st. The Pittsburgh Fantasy Football Challenge is back at DVE.com. <laughs> and you're ready to rock and roll! And ready to rock your fantasy! <laughs> Don't do what I did and forget to set your line up and just think, ah, last week this is going to carry over to this week. It doesn't work that, doesn't, that you way. You have to reset it every week. No, yeah. That was a dumb dumb. Typically it doesn't, doesn't work out that yeah, way. Okay, so let us know what you got going on. Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. It's 40 degrees at DVE. The news is brought to us by Golden Oak Lending. Big, big jackpots this week. Two biggest lottery jackpots worth a combined nearly billion dollars. Whoa. The Mega Millions jackpot is up to $654 million. The Powerball's at $345 million. The odds of winning both, which someone will probably do, who's about 80. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if they just sign it and keel over. Yeah, uh, this is the happiest day. <laughs> <laughs> The odds of winning both at the same time, one in 88 quadrillion. Mega Millions is tonight, Powerball tomorrow. All nobody, right. Nobody does the office pool here anymore. Because nobody ever wins, and they're always sick and tired of, like, throwing out $10, it just goes away. I mean, you know there's probably some scumbags in offices who are always the people who collect, and then they never buy the never ticket. Never even play. And they're like, I'm going to well, take the one lost. in 88 billion chance that you're going to lose. And then I'm the world's biggest jerk. But haven't didn't somebody get sued for that one time? Oh, I don't know. <clears throat> I think there was an actual lawsuit about that, about a workplace lottery ticket, not about divvying it up. About it was like just somebody scamming his yeah, co-workers. Yeah, just scamming the coworkers. Billy Gardell on the line right now uh, from Los Angeles, California. Billy, hey, what's up? Hello, family. It is so good to talk to you guys again this good morning. To hear from you. Yeah, man, I'm 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 back. I'm up I'm up and among the world again. Yeah, well, we've been missing you, but you've had a lot on your plate, brother. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a heavy uh, heavy couple couple four weeks or so. A lot, as you know, you guys know, but my father passed away, and uh, so uh, you know, we've just been getting through that tunnel, man, which is you know the circle of life and trying to. Uh, find peaceful places to put that and it's getting a little better each day you know mm-hmm. and uh you know i i want you to know i i first i want to thank the, a bunch of pittsburghers hit me on twitter and facebook and just an outpouring of love that i can't thank you guys enough for and then you guys at at, at the show have to know um he loved you very much <laughs> you know of of all the of all the silly, stupid things I've done in my life, he truly loved Tuesday mornings with DVE, mm-hmm. and he loved you people, and we listened to you right up to the last few weeks. 
every morning, man, that computer went on, and, mm-hmm. and we would listen. And uh, and then, you know, he would, my favorite thing was these mornings here where I would call in with you guys, and, and then I'd get a call from him right after the show mm-hmm. critiquing my performance. <laughs> 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 you know, like he would tell me, now, you know, you got you to gotta let other people talk. <laughs> You know, you stepped on Randy's bit, and he didn't get to finish it, and that's not right. <laughs> you were funny at the top yeah. of the hour, and then you a little bit that that yeah. thing you did about the airport at twenty after stunk. Because <laughs> you finished strong. You finished strong, uh-huh. and, and you know that's that's just those great moments. You know, that's the stuff that you you carry with you, man. And, I, and what I'm really realizing is uh, how many idiosyncrasies he gave me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You see, uh, there's no words for when you lose a parent. Anybody who's been through it will tell you that. There's just, uh, you know, it, 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 you find the imprint they left on you. Like uh, after they pass, you, you really start to realize how many of their habits you have and and how many of their, uh, their little idiosyncrasies that they stamp on you, you know. And uh, and what a gift, because my dad left me with a, about a, a million things to remember him by you know he told will <laughs> he told will one time uh when he was eight he said uh will if the the sh ever gets too thick all you need is some elvis and a strawberry milkshake <laughs> he told him that awesome. when he was eight right and uh and will remembered that to this day so elvis you know i said you want pap to walk in a room you just play some elvis or you have a strawberry milkshake and you know, you laugh because that's what he was all about, man. And one of the great things that he taught me was uh, that the, the humor just takes you right up to the end, man. Now, now, especially, you know, our brand of humor in Pittsburgh, which I'm very proud of. I've made a career of our humor, which <laughs> is not taking yourself too seriously, but giving you a jab. But you also get a teaspoon of sugar with it because it's funny. And to me, that's why the humor from the town I come from is to me the best. It really is. I'm not just being a homer. To me, it's the most applicable humor in in the country to me. It's just, it's unique to itself. I wish some brilliant filmmaker would do a Fargo version of Pittsburgh because I don't think anybody's ever captured it. But we just have a way of diffusing the craziest situations. And I'll give you two of them if you don't mind. Can I, can I talk a little longer Absolutely. about this? I'm not trying to bum anybody out. I don't want anybody to think that. My father's life was was about joy, and it was about laughter at the right moment. Oh, yeah. There's and no it, doubt. It really was. That's where he lived. Well, man. there are those people who make it crystal clear from the onset that that's what they're they're here for, you know, for a good time and laughs, and they have a good sense of humor. Your dad was that, that kind of personality. Your dad was absolutely hilarious. He immediately came across as somebody who was ready to have fun and, and joke around. Without without question. Now, I'm going to give you two examples of Pittsburgh humor that, you know, I run this by some people and they go, oh, and then they go, oh, it's okay to laugh at that? And I'm like, yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> so I'll give you two great Pittsburgh moments, you know, and then I'll give you the, a, a really beautiful moment at the end, you know, because I, I got to show up, you know, which is a big deal. You know, I got to be there from the time of the diagnosis all the way to the end. I got to fly down there, thank God, because of luckily because of the success i've had i was able to sit with him a week at a time and we would i would just bring him you know what one thing i don't understand is when they when they diagnose you with terminal cancer they tell you okay don't eat any salt i'm like are you are you kidding me really (laughs) 
So I, I would slip him Popeye's chicken every chance I got. That was one of his weaknesses oh, was yeah. Popeye's. Popeye's spicy legs. Don't bring me to breasts. Just two legs. Spicy. <laughs> that's it. All right, I got it. I got it. So, so here's a couple of great Pittsburgh moments. The, the day he gets diagnosed with um, stage four cancer. It happened to be, you know, everybody's taking shifts in the hospital, and he wouldn't, he wouldn't lay in the hospital bed. He, he had to sit in that chair. You know, he wouldn't, he, he'd make him get him up out of the bed and in that chair, and, I, and that was spectacular to me. He refused to lay in that bed. Like, he just wanted to, to get in that chair. I'm sitting up, I'm watching TV, and we're going to pretend like nothing's happening. It's all going to be all right. Right. Okay. So the oncologist comes in, and he says, Mr. Gardell, I have your results. Do you want them, or do you want to wait till more family gets back? And he and it was just me and him sitting here. And he goes, No, no. He said, You know. He goes, I want to know. I want to know. Tell me. So the doctor says, I'm very sorry to tell you, you have stage four lung cancer, and uh, it's metastasized, and you'll have to do a follow up and another scan to, so we can see really um, what what your options are. And at stage four, there is no stage five. So he was kind of telling him then that. That was that. And uh, so the oncologist leaves the room. And, I mean, the air just sucked out of the room. Now, I'm a guy that I, I, words are my life. I've spent my life, and I've made a living speaking. But I had no words for that. There was no, I didn't know. I turned into a nine-year-old. I just sat there, and I was staring at the floor, and he was very, very quiet. And I was trying so hard to think of something to say. And I looked up, and he locked eyes with me. And and still in that moment, he was my dad. And still in that moment, being a father. And still in that moment, being from Pittsburgh, he looks at me and goes, you mean I could have been smoking for the last 12 years? (laughs) 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 And, And somehow... In that moment, I knew we're we're going to ride this out. Like he let me know that you, you it just because it's it's yeah, there's doom, and and yes, but we don't have to we don't have to live every moment like that. So, um, I would go down and visit. And we would watch we would watch these movies. You know, my dad was an old movie guy. He's the reason I'm an actor. My dad's dream was to be an animator. So so he's the reason that I'm, you know, on, on television and I'm funny and, and that I didn't quit. And, and so he knows, like he, he was able to say like every aspect of those old flicks, right? He knew the cast and all that stuff. He knew the cast. And, and then that, that was one, I mean, he knew when, when it was made and then he started, like we would watch Turner classics, you know, and there's this movie, uh, there's this really bad science fiction movie called them. And it's about, the, when the atomic bomb went off, it radiated these ants, and these ants became giant, and then they just started eating the town. And he, you know, when we, we would watch these movies, and I wrote down a bunch of the movies we watched because I'm going to make a little collection of them. And, uh, and but, but you know, there was that Pittsburgh thing, like while we were watching the movies, <laughs> like, you know, he would just say stuff like, "Well, you, you don't want to go down in that ant pile, I can tell you that." So you're gonna need a flamethrower if you go down there, but, and and it was those moments, and and I kind of realized, like you know, when when one of your loved ones is sick, you know, the habit is to go, and I hope this helps somebody who's going through this. The habit is to say when you see them, "How are you? How are you feeling?" 
Well, about the ninth time I did that to my dad, he goes, well, I'm dying, Bill. Can we get some Popeyes and watch a movie? <laughs> so again, again, he was teaching me. And what, what, he, what he taught me was when someone is terminal like that, they, they don't want to hear how are you doing. They want to hear how you're doing. So I changed the dynamic to the minute I started talking to him, I would tell him what I was doing. I would tell him what Patty was doing. I would tell him what Will was doing. I would tell him, you know, what my tour schedule was or, or, or what project Will was working on school. They're just looking for a distraction from the inevitable. So I hope if anybody's going through that, that helps you. They know how they're doing. Instead, tell them how you're doing because that's what they want to hear. So, so I got him to tell me all these great stories. Like, I didn't know he was in a doo-wop band. Um, in the 50s. Really? Came out. Yeah. Do you remember a, the name? Satan and the Devils. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> and, Which and one? Was he a devil or was he Satan? I, I, think, I think they switched. They went yeah. back and forth. They said they could never make it work. But he had these great Pittsburgh names, man. He would, you know, he would say these great names like Tom Slomkowski, <laughs> Bobby Grandizio, and you know, and he would talk about like his his friend Bobby Grandizio. He'd say, "It's a great name." Like when they'd see each other, like the first thing my father would say was, "Don't forget, I took you out of the park in Pony League." Like this <laughs> went on for fifty, and then Bobby would shake his head and go, "I shouldn't have thrown him the curve." All right, shouldn't have thrown him the curve. Like that went on forever, and they had these great Pittsburgh, you know, friendships and. Like like he he when we saw the ants movie which and he always knew the year <clears throat> like my dad would be like when I was a kid if you walked through the room if he was watching a movie he'd go Bill you ever see this I go uh, no he'd go sit on he's like ah oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm in for two hours of Steve McQueen and the Cincinnati Kid but right. turns out that was the education I needed right yeah so he's watching ants and he goes yeah he goes 1954 we went over and saw this at the Regent Square Theater. <laughs> And we went up to the store and stole a box of pom-poms. <laughs> and then that way we could sit in there and eat our pom-poms and watch this movie. And, like, he just told me all these great stories. And I just drank every one of them in. So now we're getting down to the wire, right? And uh, and at the end, the hospice people uh, start coming, you know. And those people, I'm not sure what part of God's laboratory they make the hospice people. But they're, they're, that's a special division that you yes. need, like a level five badge. I agree. To come in and care for people that you don't even know that are in the ends of their lives and to continually be kind and, and, and hopeful and, and at the right temperature all the time, they, they're just a special, special group of people. And uh, so... About three days before he, he left, uh, they, they put the hospice bed in there, you know. And until that point, he was, you know, using a walker to get in and out of the bedroom. And he, he, he had COPD, too, so he couldn't breathe real good, so he had the oxygen thing. And, uh, you know, he would get to his chair from the bedroom on the oxygen with the walker. And then it got to the point where, he, you know, he, he was weak and couldn't stand up. So they brought that hospice bed in there. And uh, about, the, I think it was the day before he left. It might have been two days. I can't remember. It's a little blurry. But I kept saying to him, I said, Dad, you have to, because his wife, by the way, Dory, 
who is to me just an, an absolute angel sent yeah. to take care of him. I mean, old school, sitting bedside 24-7, like it almost killed her. But the love that I saw in her, like you just don't see that anymore. I mean, just just constantly, just I can't, there's no words for the attentiveness mm -hmm. uh, for her. And, and uh, for that, I'm forever grateful. And she's just the most wonderful grandma too. And uh, so, so, you know, she, she would constantly, I think Dory thought, you know, we could feed him back to health, you know, very Pittsburgh. You want something <laughs> to eat? You want something to eat? Can I get you something to eat? And just always by his bedside, always asking him if he needed something. So that bed comes and it's, it's in the room where the chair is and the, the TV. And uh, I said, pop, I said, you got to let me put you in this bed. I said, you got to let me, you gotta let me do that because Dory can't get to sleep at night because she's afraid you're going to get up and you're going to fall. If you fall, you're going to spend your last days in the hospital. And that was what he didn't want. Like when, when they gave him the option of it's stage four, if you did chemo, it would elongate it, but it won't cure it. But you're going to spend the last few months, chemo is really tough on you and it's hard for you to breathe as it is. So my dad decided against that. He said, I'm not, I'm not going to do that yeah. because if they can't cure it, I'm not going through that. If it was, you know, an earlier stage, maybe, but, but I'm not going to spend the last couple of my months fighting radiation treatment. And I said, well, I totally respect that. So, so like I said, the bed, the hospice bed comes and, and then here, here's a killer Pittsburgh moment to me. I, I talked to him in the afternoon. I said, let me, let me put you in this bed you got to let me do this because Dory, she can't sleep. You might fall. She might fall trying to help you, and she won't be able to get you up. If you do fall, you, you, you got to let me do this. So she had gone to the grocery store or something, and, and it was just me and him, and he goes, all right, Bill. He goes, all right. He goes, put me in that goddamn bed. So I went over to the chair, and, and I, and I lift, put his arms around me like I would Will, and I, and I lift him up under the arms, you know, and as he stood up, it hurt a little bit, and he was like, oh, and and I really got to be there for my dad, like like he's always been for me, right? And I go, I got you, I got you, I got you. And so I walk him <laughs> over to this bed, and I sit him gently on the bed, and it takes all the breath out of him, you know, and then he leans back, and then I go around the back of the bed, and I gently pull him up so he's in the right kind of, you know, curve for his back. And I straighten his shirt, and I get the blanket on him, and his oxygen thing had come out, and I put the oxygen thing back in his nose. And that took all the breath he had. It took 25 minutes for him to get to where he could breathe again. Like, that took everything, right? So he's finally in the bed, and he's resting peacefully, right? And I'm, I'm sitting in the chair next to him, and he finally is breathing. All calms down. I remember our humor when I tell you this. Don't be sad about this. He finally calms down, and he looks over at me, and he puts his hand on my hand, and he, he goes, Billy. And I go, yeah, Dad. He goes, when the hell are you leaving? <laughs> and then we laughed, man. You know, it's just, that's what me and him do, you know. That's what me and him do. And... um <laughs> and then uh, later that night, he he uh, he kind of took a turn where he couldn't stay awake uh, because his oxygen levels 
you know, when the tumors are in your lungs, they push on the lungs and you just yeah. sleep a lot. You nod off. And so we couldn't get his oxygen level above 83. And that's when they, they can't keep conscious. So he was really asleep. And Dory knew, she, Dory knew ahead of time, like the wives just have a sense. And she was like, she goes, Bill, this is, this is different than before. This is different than before. And, uh, so, um, the hospice nurse came that night and they got him, uh, they got him lucid. They got him awake uh, for for one last uh, bit of medicine. Turned out to be, you know, and they were giving him some morphine because that relaxes the lungs where they can breathe, and and some Xanax. And uh, as he was sitting up <clears throat> every day, I uh, and Will doesn't like it much now that he's fifteen. <laughs> But every day I hold Will's face and I make him look me in the eyes and I tell him I love him. And I got that from my father. So uh, right before I left, it was about 8.30 or 9 o'clock, I held him by his face and I I made him look me in the eyes and I said, I love you. And I said, you're a good dad. And I said, "Uh, you made me a good dad. And he, he cracked a smile, and I gave him a kiss. And then as I was walking towards the door, I looked back, and, and the nurses were fussing over him, and, and Dory was fussing over him. And he caught eyes with me at the door. <laughs> and I did the dumbest thing, because we share Elvis. That's like our, it's one of our things we just share. You know, my dad hated the Beatles because they knocked Elvis off the throne. That's a whole other story. <laughs> But I spun around and did the Elvis pose for him. <laughs> and he smiled. And then I walked outside, and of course I came unglued when I got to the car. And then I flew back to LA because I had to go to work. And then uh, Dory called me the next day, and she said, "Your father's gone. He went in his sleep peacefully and uh, without any pain." So um, I couldn't have asked for his departure to be uh, any better or less painful, and he didn't suffer. And uh, and now, you know, man, he's with me in a million ways, and I got to tell Will, look, you know, people who pass that we truly, truly love, I said, you know, you can use that depression as an excuse to never move forward again, or you can look at it and say, you know, this is the reason I live well, is for those who depart. This is the reason you have a faith, for those who depart, and... uh and uh, I'm, uh, Will um, had a private moment when Uncle Joe, and, and he didn't tell me this, but Joey shared it with me, Joey O'Connell from Penn Hills. Joe texted him, and he said, Will, listen, he goes, uh, Uncle Joe, I love you. Uh, your pap was a great man. He said, if you need anything from me, you just let me know. And Will texted back, it's okay, Uncle Joe. He's probably up in heaven having a strawberry milkshake. <laughs> Uh, what a <laughs> this is for your pop. Thanks, man. Billy well, Gardell. That's all right, mama. That's all right for you. That's all right, mama. Just any way you do it. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right, mama. Any way do. Well, mama, she done told me.
take a quick break. We're going to come back. More with Billy Gardell. Love you, brother. I love you guys. We'll be right back. DV. Legit mobility. DVE Sports. All right, Mike Pursuta with a sports update for you now. We uh, lost Billy's connection there just a second ago, so we're going to relocate that, and uh, Mike will get underway here. Sports is our brought to you by Ruth Chris Steakhouse. So things may be looking up for the Steelers. They're 3-2-1 and one at the bye, and uh, maybe caught a break on Sunday afternoon in Cincinnati. That 31-yard touchdown pass from Ben Roethlisberger to Antonio Brown that beat the Bengals 28-21 to with 10 seconds remaining at Paul Brown Stadium. That uh, could have easily been and, in fact, probably should have been an offensive pass interference penalty against wide receiver Justin Hunter. Here's our uh, zebra du jour, former NFL referee Gene Steratore. When a defensive player is in an established legal kind of defensive guarding position, the onus is on the offensive player that he has to avoid that player in his legal guarding. It's almost weird. It's kind of a block charge field play. You know what I mean? When I go back and forth with my two sports. So if you're legal and guarding as a defender, that's your space. You own it. The offensive player's responsibility is he has to avoid that space which you own. Better move for him probably is to turn back as he's already got his body into that D-back, put his arms up, look back at Ben like I'm open, I'm open as he's riding him out like we watch defensive backs do when they squeeze receivers on the sideline and literally kind of squeeze him right out of bounds. You would have flagged Hunter. I think if you throw on the flag, no one's questioning it, Mike. Yeah, one of those could have gone either way and it went the Steelers' way. Glad he wasn't uh, reffing the game. One uh, one thing that didn't go the Steelers' way was Vontez Perfect uh, was allowed to continue participating after assaulting Antonio Brown yet again. And, hey, the way Perfect played, maybe that was a break for the Steelers, too, because he wasn't much of a factor. No, but, he was uh, terrible. Billy, are you there? Are you back? Yeah, I'm back. I'm back. Right. Sorry about that. Santa Ana wins blew me out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Randy, you came up with an interesting theory on uh, how they can better – penalize these helmet shots even if the referees and, and other officials on the field happen to miss them and uh, Gene Steratore said probably head down that road. The money is important I'm sure to all of them. I know we all laugh and say what's 20 grand to this guy blah 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 it's still 20 grand but I think when you take guys out of the game in a 53 man roster and now they're playing without somebody that fine or that punishment is much more severe to that game and, and to his teammates than, than a monetary punishment. I do think what you also alluded to is probably not that far down the road, Randy, where we do start having what kind of college does for these. And if that helps get it out, and now at first do they just go in and replay buzz it and penalizing 15 yards next year or the year after maybe, and then following that, they heighten it or, or, or raise the level of that and say, now we're also going to eject you. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if that's where this thing goes as we move forward with all of that helmet contact. There's certainly a lot of that wherever uh, Vontez Perfect seems to be. 33-30, the Packers beat the 49ers last night on Monday Night Football. Wow, what a stink game that was. (laughs) Stinks. Sounds like somebody had the under. Yeah. Yeah, I did. (laughs) Bill, just out of curiosity, why would you bet the under in any game this season? Well, because both of those teams stink, and I thought Rodgers was hobbled. And the Packers have no receivers, and the 49ers had C.J. Beathard, the quarterback. Was that your thinking? That was my thinking, Mike. What's, what's C.J., about 4-3? He can't <laughs> throw over the line. There's no way he's putting up 30 points. 
I thought they were due. <laughs> <laughs> just my two cents here, Bill. You know, uh, just trying to help you out for entertainment purposes only. If you don't want to bet the over, don't play it. Don't ever yeah. bet the under in the NFL in 2018. Well, I actually did catch an under uh, uh, over the weekend with uh, was Tennessee-Baltimore. I knew that would be an under. That was uh, that under I walked. Yeah, that was a like crappy. The, uh, the rare exception. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was an it was erased last night and did, erased. Did Tennessee bit. just come completely unglued, or did Baltimore look better than we think they are? I think Baltimore is better than we think they are, which really worries me for later in the season. Uh, once I saw Cincinnati have their nervous breakdown, then I knew things were usual. That's usual business over there. Um, Tennessee just couldn't score, but I think Baltimore, uh, we need to keep an eye on them. I think they look like trouble. Yeah, their defense is legit. Yeah, and they don't have anybody throwing ottomans out of hotels. <laughs> well, not that we've heard. <laughs> Penguins have the Canucks tonight, 7 o'clock on your Penn's flagship, 105. Nine the X and at the PPG Paints <laughs> Arena. Penn's will be without Justin Schultz for about four months. Give or take, he had surgery yesterday to repair a fracture of his lower left leg. Uh, Sullivan said uh, they've got enough back on the blue line to compensate for what will be a difficult guy to go on without. Uh, yeah, I'm confident. We, we, you know, we have capable uh, NHL defensemen, and uh, so I'm confident that uh, we can put guys in that I know can help us win games. You know, Schultz, he's, a, he's not an easy guy to replace. He's a very good player. And has been very good for us for a long time. So it's a it's a tough loss from our standpoint, uh, but certainly we've uh, we've got to be prepared with the guys that we have, and we think we have capable guys. Now, Pence didn't have Chad. Ruedel. That sure sounds like a coach who has uh, a grip on his team, doesn't it? It sounds does. like a guy who's kind of addressing the problems as they come and telling you some information that might help. It, it does. Sure sounds like a good coach, doesn't it, Mike? It does. You got some pointed criticism going there. Just saying. <laughs> just not for nothing to say not for nothing i'll tell you this <laughs> <laughs> pens didn't have chad ruedel or jamie alexiak in the lineup on saturday night in their 4-3 shootout loss to montreal national league championship series the brewers shut out the dodgers four to nothing last night they've got a two games to one lead american league series resumes at 509 this afternoon red sox at the Astros, and then it'll be the Brewers and the Dodgers again at 9.09 tonight from Chavez Ravine. Chavez. Yeah, them, the Brewers, man, they look tough. They look tough. I've been watching these games out here. They look tough. Well, we're going to come back uh, from this commercial break, talk more with Billy. Great things happening for Billy in uh, in television. And spe- yeah. speaking of TV, hint, hint. Tuesday nights on NBC begins with TV's number one singing competition, The Voice. But then you got This Is Us and Mike, the new powerhouse show everyone's talking about, uh, the New Amsterdam. Based on a true story, one doctor will break every rule. Well, the right, like, good rules to break. Not like, you know, anesthetic isn't necessary. No. You know, like, yeah. He will break the rules to fight the bureaucracy. <laughs> right. That prevents... Places such as New Amsterdam from putting the patients first, Randall, not the bottom line. Yeah. I mean, just listen to this clip from New Amsterdam, 
and you'll get a feel for what kind of drama this really is, Mike. Will everyone in the cardiac surgical department please raise your hands? Great, thank you. You're all fired. Any department who places billing above care, you will be terminated. You know, we all feel like the system is too big to change, but we are the system, and we need to change. Let's be doctors again. Those are the rules he's breaking, the dumb bureaucratic ones. That sounds like a coach who's in control of his team. That's no, Bill. This is Bill. That's a separate. This is a commercial about New Amsterdam, the perfect fit on Tuesday nights on NBC. You know, Mike. Critics love New Amsterdam. They call it the right prescription. You know, Max Goodwin, Doctor Max Goodwin. He's fighting a good fight, and he's got uh, tremendous bureaucratic issues. Uh, The place is understaffed. It's under underfunded, Randy. It's underappreciated, but it's vital. It's it's a compelling story that applies and and resonates with us all. And if you missed any of New Amsterdam, don't panic. It's super easy to catch up. Episodes of New Amsterdam are streaming now at NBC.com, and make sure to watch the latest episode live. New Amsterdam after the Voice, and this is us. Wow, that really is the biggest night on TV. Tonight on NBC, New Amsterdam. Tonight on NBC, New Amsterdam. It is the DVE Morning Show. Billy Gardell is joining us from Los Angeles, California. And Bill, uh, lots of of stuff going on in your world, personally and professionally. And kind of a big surprise, you know, uh, I wasn't 100% sure when you first had like made a brief mention of this if it was going to pan out but wow some pretty good stuff happening there with you and your old mentor uh chuck laurie who once again has tapped you to be a star in another one of his upcoming sitcoms yeah i'm i'm uh i'm blown away man i i can't even it's still sinking in um uh chuck was kind enough to send me a script uh about a i guess four or five weeks ago and he said, I want you to read this. And he goes, if you like it, I think you'd be great. And uh, if if not, I love you either way. Let me know. And I got about nine pages in, and I go, oh, this is why this guy's the best guy in television. <laughs> and uh, I said, yeah, man, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. And, uh, and I'm going to get another shot at the playoffs, man. We're going to do a pilot in uh april called bob hearts abishola and it's uh it's a it's a great show man it's funny it's got heart got a lot of uh a lot of great crazy characters and it's a great ensemble and it's uh it's it's going to be a really good show it's about a guy who who uh who has a heart attack mm-hmm. and uh when he wakes up his nurse is uh standing above him and she's from nigeria and uh and he falls for her in a nightingale kind of way but then realizes maybe maybe there's more to that and and then it's going to be a slow progression of this man trying to get her to give him a chance and it's really really grounded and really really sweet and really really funny and I just I cannot believe I'm going to the playoffs I hope my knees hold up that's all <laughs> I hope my knees can go through another run but to be working with Chuck Lorre again and Warner Brothers and Peter Roth and uh, awesome. and Chuck may direct this pilot. He's talking about it. I hope he does. And uh, and I'm, I'm the executive producers are Al Higgins, who who was the executive producer the last four years of Mike and Molly, and uh, and uh, Eddie Gordetsky, who's who goes back 20 years with Chuck through Big Bang and and Two and a Half Men. So um, you know. 
the, the, the big coach wants me to play again, man. So I'm, I'm, I'm humbled at the opportunity and I'm blown away. And, uh, and, and, you know, here we go in April again. Let's, let's see, let's see if we can make another run. Here I mean, we I go, Billy. Here we go. <laughs> I promise not to throw an ottoman out of my hotel room. <laughs> it's just, uh, honestly, I'm so happy for you. It's crazy to think. You know, in an industry where they tap 22-year-old unproven people because they're 22, that you're getting another shot at prime time. Like, that, it almost never happens for anybody after the age of 30 in Hollywood. It doesn't happen the way I am. It does, you know, my weight, my age, I didn't know, think it would happen the first time. And to, to get another shot at playing on network TV is I don't I, like, I, what are the odds on that? I Better remember you under s- on that Monday night. I could tell you that. I remember you saying that you and, um, Melissa would, you know, kind of like, you know, doing like cast huddles, cast and crew huddles saying like, Hey, you know, we're, we're in the fourth quarter of our career in terms of television. Like this isn't supposed to happen to be, we're all over 40. Let's, Let's just try to get it, to syndication. Syndication, yeah. syndication on three. On three. <laughs> but, That's literally what it was, man. And that attitude uh, kept the humility in that stage. And then, uh, you know, of course, Melissa shot through the roof as a movie star. And, you know, when the show ended, Katie ended up with her own show. Reno's on NBC. Nambi's on The Good Fight, which is a streaming CBS show. Lou <clears throat> is doing plays, and, and he's done a couple independent films. And Rondi, who played my mom, is she did a run on Wicked on Broadway, and and now this is happening. And then Swoozy, apparently Swoozy, there's an alarm that goes off in Hollywood whenever she ends the job so she can immediately start another one. She's on, <laughs> she's on Man with a Plan. And so, and we all keep in touch with each other, and they were the first ones to call me. They were the first ones to call. Oh, like, congratulations. Awesome. So this is, this is an amazing, uh, I, I, there's no words for that. You know, there's no words for it. And, and I'm just, I'm blown away. And, and uh, you know, here we go. It's a good, good show, and uh, I think it's going to be a good example. I'm really excited, man. Billy Gardell. Well, hey, man, I'm so happy for you. That's all great stuff. And uh, once again, thanks for sharing all of that about you and your father. I think, you know, you really helped a lot of people uh, with how they're going to approach coping going forward and those who are currently coping, you know. You said some really poignant things there. So thanks for being willing to open up and share it with the audience. Absolutely, man. And uh, anybody struggling out there, just, just one more day. Just take one more day, one more kiss, one more smile, one more laugh, and uh, and he would have been very, very happy that uh, that that we did that this morning. And uh, that song was just money, dude. So I love you very much. It's good to be love back, you, and, and next week we'll be back for more tomfoolery. Sounds good, man. All right, more Billy Gardell next week. We're out of here. Michelle's coming up next with the Electric Lunch at Noon DVE. I'm finished. You stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him dead, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. For now, you guys call me Ronald. Would you not eat my pants? Ronald. Ah! Mm-hmm.